it's so easy to strive so hard throughout school and academia and work and everything to be this amazing architect and to get your satisfaction from that. But there is so much more to life than that. But there's just these beautiful moments of like going through that that battle and searching and, and trying hard. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hi. Hello. 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 Hello and welcome to Architecting. Oh, hey, Becca. Oh, hey, Katie. How's it going? That's good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, have you heard of, uh, do you know this like Adam guy? Yeah, I, I, I've kind of heard of him. Yeah, I think he runs like this podcast thing or whatever. Yeah, like architecting thing. Yeah, architecty stuff. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Hmm. I don't know. What's the deal with him? I don't know, but there's a lot of mystery around it. Yeah. Maybe we should put him in the hot seat. That's a good idea. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Did you like that? Maddie, <laughs> can you say, welcome to architecting? Welcome to architecting. <laughs> but first, here's a few messages from our sponsors. Hey, so we have John Robbins with Pair Workplace Solutions here. Hey, John, how's it going? What do you have going on? Hey, Adam. Good to be with you today. A uh, lot going on in the world of office these days. And office furniture, Pair Workplace Solutions has been around a long time. But really what we're doing and helping people a lot of ways figure out the office and kind of what it's for and where you're going and where it can take your team these days. So our design service is really about the configuration of the furniture and the selection of the furniture to really deliver the space. Mm. Yeah, important for this time. It's become so important. Yeah. yeah. How do you how like to work with, with other architects and designers? Well, we're, we're here as a resource to the architect and design teams to really understand the execution of furniture and really all of these different lines and how they can come together in a really powerful way to execute, to really bring your design to life. So we're doing that on a daily basis. And, and uh, that's the lifeblood of our business is working with the interior design and architectural community and bringing our expertise with yours to really deliver a, yeah. a powerful yeah. And I know from experience, it's it's great to go down to your showroom and, and see these things in person and work with you guys in person. It's a great resource. Please come down and see us. It's at 15th and Arapahoe, really the first hybrid reservation-based showroom in Denver where we really brought all of these together in a powerful space. And it's somewhere my team loves to be and work, and it's working for us. And, and we can show you some of the, how, how it can work for you. Great. How can we connect with you guys? Pairwork.com is our is our domain and www.pairwork.com. You can see our portfolio online and, and understand a little bit more about our team and how we can really help you deliver a powerful space. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks, John. We look forward to working more with you. Thanks, Adam. See ya. Hey, so today we have Michael Quinn from Form Kitchens on. Um, look, you know, we, we all have kitchens. Most all of us want better kitchens. Michael, why, why should we get Form Kitchens? I think what you said was sort of the epiphany for our CEO. We all want better kitchens, right? And he grew up doing it as a family business. And then as an adult, he saw the beautiful, stunning kitchens we all see on Pinterest and Instagram. And basically tried to put one together himself and just couldn't find that aesthetic at a great price point and wondered why the process was so inefficient and so manual. He thought, well, if I'm seeing these online, why can't I just order them online? And so 
that's really the idea behind Form Kitchens is not only to design and deliver beautiful, stunning, modern kitchens, but to wrap the whole design process in a really modern context. So we design all online. We've built our own software that powers the experience. And it's all really about streamlining and simplifying high-end design. And then through a direct-to-consumer model, really just making it more affordable and more accessible. Yeah. The great thing is that Michael uh, is here in Denver, so you can reach out to him as well. Uh, And if you're looking for more information, we have a special link for the podcast. You can go to social.formkitchens.com backslash architecting. Thanks for the partnership, Michael. Thanks, Adam. Really cool what you've created over architecting. We're excited to start to be a part of the community. And and like you said, never hesitate to reach out. Uh, I love grabbing coffee. And you can shoot me a note at michael at formkitchens.com. Perfect. Thanks. And now back to the show. I keep trying to uh, improve it more and more. And like now I got my mics and now I'm like, okay, now I need two really good video cameras. (laughs) One on you, one on me. And Becca's like, can you just make some money on this podcast instead (laughs) of spending spending it all? all? (laughs) Well, you've got to be constantly improving, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is fun for me. Um, Well... I'm very excited to be taking over your podcast. Hey, thanks for thanks for coming to my house. Yeah. So um, I guess we should tell everybody at home that I am not Adam Wagner, mm. but I will my be doppelganger. I will be your doppelganger today and filling in for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so I'm Katie Donahue. And who are you? The famous Katie Donahue. Mm. And I'm I'm Adam Wagner. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Adam, what number episode is this? This, you know, this is a special number where I don't know if I'd get past, I don't don't know if I thought I'd get past like 10 and and now we're at 50. And so I was trying to come up with a really special guest for this and I couldn't find anybody to fill in. So I I had to get myself uh, Mm a strong suggestion from Katie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So number 50, we're, we're have, oh, (laughs) oh, like. The, the, the suspense. <laughs> um, you can't see this, but I'm desperately trying to shoot confetti into the air, and it's not working. Cover your water. No, yeah, the, I brought two in case this would happen. <laughs> Nobody needs to know what happened. <laughs> I, see, I brought a second one just in case. <laughs> I told Adam we needed something special. Is it really this it turn direction or? of arrows? You, yeah, maybe you should shoot it off anyway. You're turning the wrong way, aren't you? No, number fifty. You're right. That wasn't that difficult. Thank you. That was nice. Uh, So yeah, episode fifty warranted both confetti and having the Adam Wagner being in the hot seat. Yeah. Sorry, I got confetti in your water. And I I covered my glass and it still got in there and you did not. Yeah, this is true. Also, when I bought these, it said they were biodegradable Mm. confetti, but this is definitely plastic. It's the outside. You 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 just made my kids' day. This is um, <laughs> like crafts for for days here. Uh, <laughs> good. I'm so glad here. I like your your sketchbook. Looks pretty good now too. Oh, it does. All covered it look, in. It looks much better. Um, I love it. Well, I think there's nothing better than getting to interview Adam for his 50th episode, and I think we've all been dying to hear more about you, hmm. right? So I know that you always kick off your episodes by asking, you know, who are you and what are you about? So I think that would be fair to do. But 
I think we should turn the tables and say, ask you instead, what are you, what are you not? Who Ooh. are you not? Who am I not? That's man, that's tricky. You, you, you switched it around on me. You know, I, uh, I, I don't know if I, if I like that, the, the question of who are you? Like I kind of started it off and now I've been doing it every time and I don't, it's a, it's a sort of like uncomfortable thing that it kind of makes this direct pause for people, but it's like I found people really struggling with it in different ways, and 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 now thinking about it, I was really, really scared of it. Uh, so I'll tell you what I was going to say. I was, I was thinking <laughs> about it. I, I I think that I was going to say that that one of my favorite responses to this was Chad Mitchell's, mm-hmm. where he just said, "I'm an architect," and I thought, I thought that was a really nice response, really clear and succinct. And it's interesting that you asked me, what am I not? Because I was going to say, uh, I, especially within the last like month, I've been figuring out a lot of that I get, that I got almost all my value in myself out of being an architect. And so I'm trying to not have my identity just solely be in that hmm. and, and totally be in that, you know, and I, I think it was, and it's been that way for so long of being like, okay, I'm a designer, I'm an architect that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and recently I'm like, there's so much more things to be, you know? Mm-hmm. There, and, and so, you know, I, um, so yeah, I'm not an architect. Let's, let's not an architect. That. You're yeah. not a, a non-architect. I'm, I'm not architect. an architect on Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. I'm so not you're just not an, an architect. architect. Yeah. 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 So I think even that I tried to like preface it, like I'm not just an architect. You know, I couldn't say I'm not an <laughs> yeah, architect because right? it's still, it's there's like still some pride of pain, that painful. Yeah. But, and it's such a, a key part. Yeah. Of, of your being. So what are the other things that, um, give you value or key to your identity? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's been a lot more of just like, yeah, I, I, uh, to give me my value, it's, it's a lot more of being a a good husband and a good father and, um, and a a good person, I think. And, and, um, just reflecting more on that. I think that, um, I'm a, I'm a connector and I like, I really love connecting with people and I love hearing stories and just kind of building community. How did you start connecting people? Was it something that you saw other people doing or did you like just always do this since you were a young person, like you hmm. were the like friend matchmaker or how did you hmm. become such a connector? Cause I've witnessed it too. You at the university or in practice, like you are always connecting others. That's interesting. Uh, I haven't thought about that. I think, I think a lot of it comes from, maybe some of it comes from, um, where I grew up. So I grew up in a small Kansas town and I grew up like five miles outside of this small town on like super idyllic, like 15 acres. My parents have like kind of a forest and a pond and all these, all the, you know, we had horses and tractors and all this stuff, tree houses. So it was great, but I always felt really, uh, disconnected from things and people and, and I think a lot of that's comes from maybe just like that real desire to be liked, you know, and like, and, and, and feel kind of connected in a, in a purpose there. And, and so, um, so yeah, you know, like most people like working really hard to be liked in like high school and middle school and stuff like that. And sometimes I wonder kind of where that comes from, if it's, you know, from a sort of insecure ego part or if it's a genuine kind of like 
wanting to get, connect with people and connect people. And I think it, it's definitely moved more towards the, the latter one um, in my best days. Uh, right. It's yeah, even to right. want to reappreciate yeah, it. Yeah, so it's kind liked. of like, yeah, both those. Yeah, but I think you've probably found a skill in it that there's a lot of value in just connecting um, people in a meaningful way that share ideas, whether it's like casually or professionally. So I think that's pretty incredible. Do you want to give us a little background about like an overview of, you know, where you went to school, where you grew up? Mm, and mm-hmm. then I, because after that, I want to grill you uh, and mm. ask you all sorts of questions. I, I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, for, for Adam's 50th episode, like I should ask him 50 questions about him. I should mm. ask him 50 pieces of architecture that he loves. And then I realized that that was a lot of things. But I did come up with 15 questions oh, of this nice. or that. That I would like you to play, if you will. You're, you're good at this. You've already done more prep than I've ever done for an episode. <laughs> okay, what well, my background? Yeah, so yeah, I grew up in the middle of Kansas. My father was a gen- is, is a general contractor, had his own small company with my uncle. And my mom is an elementary school teacher. And I went to Kansas State University for undergrad. And... How much of a story do we want here? We, uh, give us the, the highlights. The highlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, then I, I graduated in uh, 2009 in the recession. Um, my vegetarian uncle started a hot dog restaurant. And vegetarian hot dogs or hot dog hot dogs? Hot dog hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a great chef. He's a, he's a physician's assistant, uh, M- Michael Ramsey. <laughs> so he's a physician's assistant. He and the surgeon he was working with, the surgeon's son, wanted to start a hot dog restaurant. And so they brought my uncle in to, to help set this up. And, uh, like, like I said, he's a great chef and he would get like these locally sourced hot dogs, amazing hot dogs, but he would get himself physically sick. He would try a little bites of it and get so sick, but they were so because good. Because he was a vegetarian? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's veg and he hadn't, hadn't had meat for so long. Uh, so we, we were brought in at like age 23 and 22 to design this restaurant oh is this link house yeah link uh-huh. house yeah yeah and so um we came in with you know a few summers of of internship experience and like had to hire our own engineers and architects to stamp this thing and like had no idea what we were doing but designed it and we would meet with the the licensed architect every once every two weeks or something and uh-huh. she would redline it uh and then we and then with my dad, we we built a lot of it, and then we fabricated the furniture, and then Becca ended up like hiring people, and and we did kind of set up marketing and branding, and and did a lot for like a year with that. Um, and then my uncle and his partner, his business partner, figured out that they really liked doing this, and they started uh, developing projects and started building up, um, uh, buying up a lot of downtown abandoned buildings in Wichita mm-hmm. and we started renting those into like mixed use projects not always restaurants no things. no it would be like be like nine story like oh. mu- like multifamily stuff and you'd work on those mm-hmm. this is you know early 20s fresh yeah out of school. yeah but like with that like um with the the biggest one like the nine story was with uh, El Dorado out of Kansas City like mm-hmm. a really good firm and so we went to Kansas City and worked in their office for a few months um, some of the other ones we partnered with smaller firms. And so it was really more like my uncle would be like, Hey, do you want this project? Uh-huh. You have to, you have to work with my, uh, my nephew. Uh, <laughs> um, so it was kind of an in-between of learning by having our own firm sort of, 
but then also working with other firms and kind of seeing different ways of doing stuff. But that's a pretty special way of starting. Yeah. I think a lot of people go the opposite route. Like, okay, I'm going to go work for a firm for this many years, get whatever I think is the um, enough uh, experience to then feel comfortable going on my le- my own and then hoping I've learned enough or I have enough of a background and then figuring out all the things you don't know. So was that a, like part of the plan or that's just how it happened? You know, I think there's something about like always seeing my dad having his own company and really liking the freedom of that, that that was kind of all the, always the goal to me is start my own thing. And, you know, oh nine, I did have a job offer, which was super rare, um, but pretty much not almost nobody else did, you know? And so it wasn't like that uncommon to kind of go out and do something else. It was definitely like a leap um, to do it uh, that way. And, you know, I definitely see there's tons of benefits there. There's, there's, there's been a lot of downsides to it and just how I've kind of gone about my career of where I've never really quite been an intern, like had done a ton of grunt work. And so I kind of, kind of figured it out by myself and like, and then come into firms at different phases. And so there's some things I'm finally getting past that, like this sort of insecurity of like, mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know that. Or I don't know that I'm, I'm finally getting past that, but it, it took a lot longer, I think. Mm-hmm. But I think the truth is <laughs> the further everybody. we get in our careers, the more we realize like how much we don't know is infinite. And it's, yeah. like, it's just a matter of like accepting more and more that we're never going to feel like we know enough. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't, I, um, okay. So you were at Kansas state, you mm-hmm. went to Yale, um, you dabbled in several places, right? So you interned as it in Rotterdam, mm-hmm. you had internships in Kansas state, you worked for Tatiana Bilbao, mm-hmm. you worked for open studio. So you, it seems like you, um, did dabble quite a few places. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I've worked at, I think I've worked at almost 10 firms. Yeah. That's and, a lot. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and it was, for a while, it was never more than six months. It was it was internships. Uh, I worked at 359 Design here when I got here for three years and then Open Studio for two years. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. You're just like a little taste tester. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's a, the, yeah, the grass is always is always greener. I, like I just this year, I've talked about it a lot, but just uh, got diagnosed with ADHD and like it makes a lot of sense of like I get bored at a place at uh-huh. about a year or a year and a half and then I look to jump uh-huh. or, or whatever so well most recently you did the ultimate jump and started your very own firm mm-hmm. right vessel yep um and so how is the third time yeah this, oh this is the third the okay third so yeah. <laughs> okay so you're a serial entrepreneur uh-huh <laughs> yes which makes sense given everything that you're involved with this yeah. podcast as an architect as a non-architect um yeah. teaching at the university um okay uh and then what brought you to denver so Rebecca's family is in Colorado Springs. Um, and, um, so we, yeah, we were, we were, we had our own, our own firm in Wichita and then she went to school at TU Delft in the Netherlands and we were there for two years and then went to Yale for two years and graduated there. And it was kind of like, okay, what's, what's next? Um, you know, the obvious kind of choice from there, like, as you know, is like to go to New York and, um, thought about, thought about that pretty strongly um um but then got we both got offered a job with tatiana in mexico city so it kind of gave us about like six months to kind of think about things Mm -hmm. and (laughs) when we were there it was like this working vacation sort of thing and uh just because it was so nice Mm -hmm. and we knew we'd just be six months uh and 
and it should have been so perfect. And I was just, I get like so angsty, angsty and I was like, I need more responsibility. Like, what, what am I doing here? Like, like, let's start a family. Like, let's, let's, let's. Have... And Becca's like, no, like we could get a dog, but I'm not, I don't want to start a family. Like not quite yet. I'm Is like, that where Riley okay. came into play? Yeah. And so we were thinking about starting a family. And so Denver made a lot of sense of, of sort of less saturated with architects. I thought, uh, was still a design school, still a big city close to family. And we really just fell in love with it. Um, but yeah, so within the first uh, within the first month that we moved to Denver, we got a new apartment. We both got new jobs. We bought a car. We hadn't hadn't had a car for five hmm. years. Uh, we got a puppy, and then we got pregnant within one month of <laughs> moving like to Denver. So all it was at like, once. here, you're uh -huh. settled. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, so we both like got what we want wanted with the dog and the baby, but. Uh, yeah. That's a lot all at once. Okay. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask you before we start jumping into, you know, I think what makes you tick as an architect or a non-architect mm -hmm. and what was the most maybe influential times, you know, of your young career versus now, like this podcast is really interesting um, because you're focused on the local community and you're bringing together mm -hmm. like really diverse, different stories, I think, and different approaches. I think it's interesting hearing when I hear podcasts and people you've interviewed um, not just to say like, oh, I relate to that, but like, oh, that's totally different than anything mm. I would ever do or ever approach. And there's like merit in both. Um, so I'm curious to know, like, what what was the moment that made you create this and why? Do you remember like- Create the podcast? Yeah, the podcast. Mm. Like, was it, a, were you like unsatisfied with like, I don't know, the, a certain culture or trying to just get access to information that's not there? Like, what was the, mm -hmm. the driver? Yeah. So it really kind of came from when, when I was graduating from- grad school, knowing I would probably wanted to go to Denver, reaching out to a lot of architects and just really doing the research of who's here, who's doing what. And, you know, it was great for me to be able to just come in and say, Hey, here I am. Uh, uh, I'd like to meet you. Let's get, let's get coffee. I think it was, <laughs> I came, I came from K-State, like, you know, finally did pretty well there had had my own firm i'm doing that in like air quotes uh and then moved to the netherlands and like rotterdam and i'm like yeah i'm going to ome like that's where i want to work and it was a full year of me sending out applications every day hmm. and i got in a year i got three interviews hmm. and and i think by the by the end of that like i finally got a job through one of rebecca's professors but at the end of that i was just like I don't want that to happen again. Like, and so, you know, that's one reason I, I strove for like, you know, a, a higher name school. And then when I came here, I was like, okay, let's saturate this place with me. And like, let's, I just want to meet everybody. And, mm -hmm. and I really love that of, of just meeting people. And, you know, a lot weren't hiring, but a lot of those relationships kind of stayed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, like you do, I like to use uh, teaching and, and invite people that I want to meet in for crits. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that kind of satiated that a little bit, but mm -hmm. then there's not much other reason. And so that was kind of one of the reasons for this podcast of how do I just keep getting to do that of, of talking with people and meeting with people. And then it was a, it, I was always be kind of um, surprised when like someone who I thought is a, a well-known architect, uh, another 
of the same kind of level of architect here in Denver didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how, how does that happen? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's so small. So let's, let's kind of lock in people's stories and, mm -hmm. and then allow for that connection between different people. Yeah. It's nice. It's creating like, um, a mingling that I think maybe the architecture community didn't know we needed <laughs> too, yeah. because we do, we work with a lot of the same people and see the same people on the same network. So, um, it's been nice to, to get to see your new stories, I think. Yeah. Um, what are some of the like strong points or most memorable interviews or things you've like taken away or learned? I think, you know, and, and maybe I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how I, how I changed talking to people because mm -hmm. I was starting it essentially a little bit before I was starting my own firm. And so I was so curious about how do people start firms and that's still <laughs> this kind is for of, your own benefit. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. just doing research. Exactly. This is, that's the whole point of this whole <laughs> podcast, but uh, and I'm still, uh, uh, yeah, so, so that, that's still kind of the most interesting to me is, is how people start firms and like early on people like, you know, Steve and Dinia, who, you know, I really look up to his work and, 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 and he just does such good stuff. And you're like, oh, that I'm not doing stuff like that. Like, what am I doing? And, and his experience of saying, like, I was up in Jackson for five years not doing anything that I liked for mm -hmm. five years and till I finally got something, you know? And, and I think that's been one of the biggest takeaways is that with some of, uh, exceptions, like everybody struggles in the beginning mm -hmm. and it's hard to, to, to start it. And it, and you don't always like, you, you're not starting fully formed, right. Mm -hmm. uh, within your work, I think. Mm -hmm. I think, um, in like your interview with Paul Anderson, you guys assessed for like two hours, like what is good? Yeah. What is good? Is what I think good good? Yeah. Is that really good, or is that too conventionally good? <laughs> right. I think. Or what with, does good mean? Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, um, like figuring out that everybody has stumbling blocks is like pretty refreshing as well. Yeah. So it's been fun getting to know um, new people. So, as we get to know you, can you see your notes through all the confetti? I, I can't quite read <laughs> my notes through the confetti. Out, yeah. uh, there we go. Yeah. Um, but I thought it'd be really fun. Like I said, I wanted to ask you 50 questions, but yeah. I think that would be <laughs> a little intense. It's the extended version. Uh, so yeah, this is the abridged version. Um, and so we'll take it easy on you to start with. Okay, good. Um, and we'll play uh, this or that. Have you played this before? No. no. Oh, okay. Um, so coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. Coffee, okay. Are you a morning person or a night person? Night. Night person. Um, Ching or YouTube tutorials? for mm, what's a more go-to resource oh uh I'd like, to, I'd, I'd like to say ching but it's probably youtube yeah. <laughs> that's fair that's totally fair <laughs> yeah it made me think on that one <laughs> uh summer or winter uh winter uh hand drawings or digital drawings hand drawings on an ipad hand drawings on an ipad what's a hand drawing on an ipad isn't that a digital drawing Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. With a stylus instead of yeah, a mouse. Yeah. 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 Okay. Where you doing sketching. Yeah. I guess, that's, you know, that's true. That is different. That's a different muscle. Um, pizza or tacos? Pizza. That was a fast answer. Yeah. Um, are you introverted or extroverted? Uh, I'd say slightly extroverted. Slightly extroverted. Interesting. Um, Ray and Charles Eames or uh, Frank Lloyd Wright? Uh... What are we talking about? If you have I'd to pick say, one to live with and one without. I want to live with one without. Oof. Oof. 
you know, I've got this nice Eames chair in the living room. I think I'm going to say mm. Eames. Okay. But... Yeah. Good choice. Um, beach or mountains for a vacation? Uh, beach. Beach guy. I, I took you for and a I'll, mountain guy. And I'll live in the mountains and go uh, vacation. vacation. The beach, so yeah. brief stints to the water the rest of the time. I, I could I could pretty much live in the ocean. I love really? the beach and the ocean. Yeah. Uh, you're a little fish. Would you yeah. live, Would you ever live in the mountains? Have a mountain home? Yeah. Just in the mountains? Well, uh yeah i'd say depending on how the community is okay. you know yeah i don't i don't like to feel yeah. too isolated like <laughs> like my country days yeah <laughs> did you grow up in a like a really small in a really small town like a yeah farm? well it's like it was like thirteen thousand people and uh -huh. and and then yeah we were you know five miles outside of there with we it wasn't a farm but we had we had horses and a lot of land and huh. yeah although that sounds nice now I've always been a city girl, but now that <laughs> something rural want, is coming out of me. <laughs> yeah, well, you want what you don't have. Yeah, yeah exactly. The grass is always greener. <laughs> um, would you rather write about architecture or read about architecture? Uh, uh, read. I I absolutely hate writing. Really? Yeah. I am Did you have to write a lot in school? Did they force you to? No, I, I I've always sort of avoided <laughs> avoided that avoided the things I don't want to do. Draw instead of write. Yeah, yeah smart. Yeah. yeah, that works. Um, black and white or color? We'll say. Black mm, and white. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I like uh, the differences between what we're wearing right now too. That's that's nice. I mean, I'm a recovering like Reco black turtleneck wearing yeah, yeah. architect. I'll I'll admit that. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's the next step of my journey of not just being an architect to start introducing oh, no. some color. Yeah. That's a big step. Yeah. Like one thing at a time. Um, boxers or briefs? Uh, uh, Architectural question. Yeah, uh, briefs. Uh, futurist or historist? Uh, historicist. Uh, futurist. History person. <laughs> well, okay. In what sense? Like of, of what? Um, uh, or just I guess just where do you get that? more of your inspiration from? History uh, hi or history, futurism yeah. and history? Okay. I think your bio says somewhere that you're a futurist though. Is that like in my... Uh, Maybe that was on your website. It's like what, a website. Is what, it's, what's it called? It's one of those personality traits. Ah, uh, that's it. And so uh -huh. it, it, I think it... My partner Justin is more into this than I am, but I, it's something about, yeah, where where I'm, I look to the, I'm a futurist, but then the next thing is that I'm, I gain all my like knowledge from the past, right? Yeah. Which is I think what we all should aspire to do, right? Is yeah. Take cues, not be historians necessarily, but take cues from what's been done to yeah. move forward. Um, okay, all right. Would you consider yourself more of a technical person or a creative person? Uh, creative. I mean, that's what I assume. Some some people just surprise me, though. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so the last question, not of this or that, but if you weren't an architect, and now that we know that you're not an architect, but he is an accredited licensed architect. Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you weren't an architect, slash you're not an architect, you're a non-architect architect, mm -hmm. uh, what do you think you would be? What profession would you be? You know, I after high school, I almost went into seminary to be a like a pastor no you did not i did and so that that's one route uh but like sort of my dream job would be uh to be a photojournalist uh -huh. like in like war zones and things oh. uh that that seems really cool that sounds intense yeah um what did you want to be when you were a kid some like nba you... basketball player <laughs> mm, right um <laughs> <laughs> didn't pan out actually so i wanted to be i wanted to be a contractor i wanted to take over my dad's uh -huh. company and i went to architecture school to be a slightly better contractor uh -huh. and then about two weeks in i was like 
wow, there is so much more to architecture than like single family homes in mm-hmm. middle of Kansas. And uh, is so, that what your dad so, builds mostly? Um, yeah, is it yeah, mostly it's homes? all single family. Yeah. And does he still do that? Uh-huh. Uh huh. He, he's about to retire in uh, December. So that's exciting. Yeah. Congrats, Adam's dad. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so do you, did you ever get a chance to collaborate with him specifically? Yep. Yep. Yes. So we have, um, so we built that link house restaurant and then, um, I sort of designed a house with him, uh, in Kansas that he built. It was kind of more of like a, a stock floor plan that I kind of altered. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have a, Vessel is doing a, a addition to that house right now for a, a huh. indoor pool house, mm-hmm. uh, and so he's he's building that. Yeah. So with the link house, was he? I mean, was that a collaboration, or did you feel like you were like the boss of your dad? You're like, okay, you have to build this. Is this is what I designed? Well, <laughs> how did that yeah, go? <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. That that one was like already designed uh, when he came on, and it was all with sips, and so. Um, yeah, we we put it together. I think we drove the general contractor crazy on that <laughs> job because he was so he's so used to kind of like building it how he wants to, kind of in in place. And I wasn't really holding him to drawings, and and so uh, looking back, like that, that, it was a lot of like really not bad things, but just like not following my own drawings and mm-hmm. like and and letting him kind of go there. <laughs> um. Okay, so but, yeah. a lot of lessons learned that you're folding into Vessel now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why Vessel? Uh, did you guys go through like a, a whole brainstorming session of like, what do we call ourselves? Yeah, yeah, it was it was like a two-year-long thing. And and maybe by the time this podcast comes out, it, it won't be Vessel anymore. Mm. So there's just lots of fun ups and downs with having your own firm, as you know. Mm-hmm. And so this week, I got a phone call from... Vessel Architecture and Design. Oh no! Telling With us a, like, to cease and assist. Cease and assist. He's <laughs> uh, calling ourselves vessels. So we're going to be doing a rebranding. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want to announce the new name? No, we don't have it yet. We don't have <laughs> T- TBD. We don't have TBD any TBD options. Architects. Yeah. Formerly known as Vessel. Formerly known as yeah. So that's so yeah. It's you know it's really hard to find a, to, to to name a firm. I think we're there's three partners. There's two of us who are active right now. Um, and so I think that the goal is we don't just want something with our name. We want something that can kind of live on mm-hmm. past us in a way. Um, I think I think we sort of have this idea of, of the, the end goal is to design, develop our own projects. And, you know, we see a lot of potential for uh, uh, profit in that. Um, but thinking of our firm as how we can kind of take that that profit and then channel it back to other mm-hmm. things and so how can we do sort of more research and design how can we how can we like improve the level of design how can we kind of do more pro bono stuff mm-hmm. and so in one sense it was sort of like this thing of um sort of like a a, a manifold in a way that they can take sort of resources and skills and things like that and direct it towards other other things mm-hmm. there's also the idea of sort of like uh being a vessel or, or a container that that holds kind of multiple people and multiple personalities and multiple mm-hmm. skill sets that then is sort of directed towards a, a goal. Um, yeah, so that's what it was. 
<laughs> rest in peace Russell. rest in peace uh uh so that idea of like doing lots of things that like multiplicity seems like mm. it's always followed you like you've always it seems like you're always doing not just architecture but a million adjacent things as well so that was something that you guys wanted to fold into the practice is that kind of the idea uh yeah all, all three of the partners have architecture undergrads mm -hmm. and one has a uh, mfa in graphic design and one has a master's in real estate and so it was always kind of like how can we kind of do these multiple things but keep this like high level of excellence oh and then i'm the one that has the architecture masters like really <laughs> buckled down guy? yeah uh yeah so it's, so how do you do everything and do everything super effing well <laughs> yeah yeah no that's you know yeah. just a little goal okay yeah little small goals uh maybe that's our new name small do goals? everything oh. really effing well <laughs> i like that it's catchy right. yeah um so i mean can you tell us a little bit about like what what pushed you into architecture you said that you went to school and started to realize there's like a lot more to this mm -hmm. um like what are some of those original drivers? Like I think back to some of the times like when I was first gung-ho about starting architecture school and uh, being disillusioned about many things, but there, I would say that there are things that I've been passionate about that have stayed true. Um, what are some of the things that have changed from your original goals of like why be an architect or a non-architect mm. architect? And uh, what are some of the things that like have stayed true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think... I think I could, I could always get pretty, pretty focused on things. Like obviously everybody, every architect has like their Lego story, you know, like I did Legos a lot and did a tree house, but I remember like my dad wanting to like redo his logo one time mm -hmm. and I got into paint and like pixel by pixel tried to do this logo and it Pixel by pixel as in like, like on graph like, paper? No, like you zoom in really far and mm -hmm. then you get to the pixels so that you can draw like straight lines. Ah, okay. Uh, uh, and I remember spending like three hours on that or something where you like really zone into it. Mm -hmm. And I think that architecture really gave, allowed me that and allowed me, you know, celebrated that sort of, sort of like rigor or like intensity. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like you like to obsess about a thing at a time. Is that fair to I say? Obsess about one thing at a time. Well, will, multiple yeah. things yeah. <laughs> uh, at the same time, but then one thing <laughs> really deeply. Yeah. That's another uh, side effect that I found of, of ADHD where you're able to really, you abhor, in general, you abhor being bored mm -hmm. and you go to things that only interest you and, and then you can like super zone into things. Obsess about those things. Yeah, obsess. Uh -huh. um, and so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what are some of the productive obsessions that have been on your radar recently? Hmm. Predictive is, yeah. I, I, uh, I was trying to, I was trying to find a new wallet <laughs> and, uh, I just couldn't find anything that I liked. And so for a while I was going to make my own wallet, uh, uh -huh. out of leather. I have like, uh, like felt there. So I was like doing like felt, uh, s samples of that, but the it just, fabric? yeah, uh -huh. but it just allows me to like, I'm finding more and more that I need to have those things that are, that I'm ne I'm never going to make the wallet, but like it allows me to obsess about <laughs> you that. You'll start. I, I started finished. it and then I'm um, kind of like, uh, what's next? Uh -huh. uh, I haven't finished it, but, um, uh, yeah. Do you kind of mean in that sense or, or architecturally, I guess. I, I've, I mean, I think they're related, right? Mm -hmm. I think, um, 
I meant architecturally, but the wallet isn't just as interesting. Uh, Katerina and I, my partner and I, uh, were recently on a business trip in Serbia and were trying to find, we wanted some Serbian shoes and hmm. couldn't find this like amazing, beautiful pair of shoes. But we did find a guy who is a cobbler and now we are designing shoes with a man in Serbia. And yeah. seeing oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we started it. We'll nice. see if the wallet yeah. and the shoes get made. Right. Uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I have that vision of, yeah, of starting a wallet company and like, <laughs> and I've like three D modeled like, uh, like pendant jewelry and put it on uh -huh. websites and like it's never sold. But like, yeah, you know, like uh -huh. where you you're always told in architecture school you can you can design anything, and we right. we think that and <laughs> and and, and uh, there's just not enough time to really actually do it right but we well, feel empowered yeah. because like if you see a hole or something you know that you want like <laughs> we've yeah. seen the ways that like you can make i mean that's kind of the power of architecture right i get addicted to that thing of like creating because it's like there was something that didn't exist and now it exists mm -hmm. and like being a part of that process is pretty wild so like the idea that like well okay we can make buildings yeah like, we can make a wallet <laughs> yeah i don't have to put sprinklers in a wallet like, <laughs> yeah this is fire easy. code does not apply uh, uh yeah. so i get that like there's this like uh interest in just making right mm -hmm. yeah what other uh tangents have you gone on things you've wanted to make that are not architecture or architecture at different scales hmm Hmm. So you've done furniture, you said. You've done logos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's see. What else? You've done um, a treehouse in your backyard. Done a treehouse. Yeah. Done this great ladder. I guess that's architecture. I guess loft, those are both yeah. architectural. Um, what have I done like that? I don't... Yeah, I'm not sure. So how about... Um, like, I'm curious what you're obsessed about in, like, at Vessel, formerly known as Vessel. Formerly like at, known at your as firm. Vessel. What are you guys currently obsessed about? Do you think that you and your partners kind of go down your own lanes or do you guys like pick up on things and everybody's really um, interested in exploring this, whether it's a material or a problem or a program? Like how do you guys yeah. work together? It's really interesting. I, I want to hear what, what you have to say about this too, about the sort of like lanes. Mm -hmm. I think that's been one of the hardest things of figuring out how to work together of, of kind of where are lanes and how do you, when you have a firm of two, you have to do everything right. And so like, you have to, you have to do everything and you can't just do the things you're sort of interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's about sort of like melding your, your aesthetics and, um, sort of your personalities in some way. Um, I think that with an architecture kind of through, I'd say, I'd say in, at Kansas state, uh, it taught me or I took it into a, uh, into like a hyper rational, mm -hmm. uh, train of architecture and like really into Rex and OMA mm -hmm. and, um, and sort of like almost not caring about the aesthetics of it. And I think it at Yale, uh, there's a lot more kind of like cracking my brain open to different mm -hmm. ways of thinking. And, and so I think maybe from those, those two experiences, I'm, I'm, I'm the most interested in a, a sort of architecture that is very systematized and very controlled, but mm -hmm. then it, that then it just like gets broken in like three ways and like mm -hmm. has these cracks in it and, you know, kind of whatever that, that means within a project. And, um, and I think Justin architecturally is very, um, very refined and very, uh, rational, um, likes less breaks mm -hmm. uh 
and so yeah and, and so i think you know we, we've kind of come to a certain aesthetic aesthetic together and and i don't i don't love like just boiling it down to that that sort of basicness of it um what know, do you mean by basic that to to like a sort of aesthetic like uh something that's agreeable more of like hey what's your architecture firm about oh it's mm -hmm. about this the this aesthetics of like <laughs> of like controlled brokenness like <laughs> like 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 it should be you know it should be about more and i think that kind of gets to like the discussion with paul anderson about good you mm -hmm. know and and when i think of good it's it's uh you know it's very easy for me to like think about it in a peter eisenman sort of way mm -hmm. of like what would peter be saying about this project right now and like and it's it's architecture for architecture's sake and it's like so much so many layers of architecture and I just drink that stuff up mm -hmm. and I love it. Um, but then sort of your, your question, you know, it's, it's like, what, well, what, what do we, what really drives us and mm -hmm. what, um, what, what do we want architecture to be? And, you know, there's a lot of bigger possibilities there. Um, and then I can blame it on time and not enough time to ex mm -hmm. explore and think about everything mm -hmm. we want. But. So do you think that, um, that idea, I mean, like what does architecture want to be? Do you feel like the three of you has, have synthesized what it is, what you're like the direction you're all moving in, or do you kind of have different lanes and not lanes, but I guess different like preferences or ideologies? I'd say the the what I'll call the two architects, Justin and I, uh, Kyle, the third partner. He he won't call himself an architect anymore. <laughs> he, he's a developer. Uh, what, uh, but he went to architecture school. He right? went to architecture oh. school, but mm -hmm. he. He's he, over that phase of his life. Yeah, he, he worked. He, <laughs> I still think he's probably a great architect, but he doesn't he doesn't want to touch it. But uh, I think the two of us have become much more aligned on what on the sort of direction of the firm. And mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I mean, I think there's an opportunity for creative friction that took me a long mm. time to embrace um, to like to continually question what is good that you're not going to get better and better until you achieve like something that's the best you're capable of achieving is that's a shifting goal. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I think Katarina, I've learned like, Hey, run with it. You run with this. I'll run mm. with this when it, when it makes sense. Um, in the very beginning, we were so democratic and like every single task we tried to do together, uh, <laughs> which yeah. was fun, but there's not enough hours in the day. Yeah. And so I think we've learned like, okay, what are the things where we're just like, okay, just somebody tackles that. And like that, that's something you're like really interested in leaning into. And then where are the things that are most opportunistic where we push against each other yeah. and question each other back and forth and get to something greater? Because I think my fear was always that it would become diluted down to like mm -hmm. the least common denominator instead like of Excel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so it seems like you guys continue to push as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm interested. So how long have you guys been working together? Um, uh, in total, unofficially, since I think like, cat, when was it? 2016, 17, okay. maybe? Okay, yeah, so pretty pretty long. So um, so do you guys do a lot of the same things, but just kind of split projects, you know? Or mm. do you have strengths, you come into a project, then you hand it off, and how does that work? Like, we try to start a project by always collaborating on, like, the big idea design-wise first, um, and then like somebody tackles or oversees whatever comes next, production and refinement, but always kind of comes back to the other person for like a checks and balance, mm -hmm. I guess. We used to like collaborate all the way through the process, but then it was just like two people doing, you know, doing a lot of work. Yeah. So we try to be heavy together in the beginning, um, but we'll always like collaborate on everything. Do you guys, will you guys split things up? We're still, we're still trying to figure that out. I think 
Justin's extremely good uh, at refining a project. So I love to come in at like 16th scale, eight scale Mm -hmm. with my, with my stylus and Mm -hmm. my foam models and kind of do massing. And I could do that all day. Like Mm -hmm. I love that. And then he's really good at taking it to like a DD level. Mm -hmm. And then he's very good at, at CDs and, and it's kind of pulling teeth to keep me into those. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're just trying to figure out, figure it out. And, and, you know, and and it's different when you're two people versus if you're a firm of 10 people Mm -hmm. and you have people to deal with that. And I think that's kind of where more of my skills lie as like a, you know, six to 10 kind of person firm and, Mm -hmm. and, and more managing and less of (laughs) drawing section details. So you get excited about the vision. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, okay, what's your process like? So you work with models, you draw, you hand draw with a digital tool. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yes, hand draw. How do you start off a process or a project? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I ideally, that's one thing I really picked up in the Netherlands is is foam models. So I've got like my foam cutting, big foam cutter, and, and I really love doing foam models. It, it's hard to kind of keep doing those. Mm-hmm especially like this size constraints of my office here. But um, I like to work kind of stylus in coming up with concepts, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's about the sort of rough roughness of that combined with, we do like very thorough feasibility studies in the beginning where we, we do full code studies and uh, um, entitlement studies and all that and try to get the most informed, you know, like, like most people, but, but because it's with Justin, it's, super graphically nice like everything Mm -hmm. it is his graphic design uh um when i think we're at our best it's 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 both of us sort of doing that sketching me like more heavy on that and then him kind of taking it and like doing doing pretty refined revit models of that and then and uh continue you know to 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 render that and and then Mm -hmm. refine but um do you think that your like school had a big part of your process? Is that something like you developed on your own? Or do you feel like that was something that was heavily influenced when you were at Kansas or Yale? Mm. I think, I think, yeah, like model models were always a really big part of school for me. Uh, I, I got besides the first the year or something, I, I pretty much got A's all the way through studio. And then my last studio, I got a C and I, I was trying to be way too, way too theoretical. And all I presented at my final review was a one sketch diagram. And an interpretive and, dance. And, 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 <laughs> not quite, but, and, and like a six foot long model, but uh-huh. it was, it was not a good project. Um, was there good, was like, there good thinking behind it? There was a lot of thinking. I don't know if it was good. It was, it was a lot of spinning wheels. Like it was a, it was a, it was in Berlin and we were working with like the head of the, uh, of the Bauhaus at Dessau. Mm-hmm. Like we went and visited him and, and we were wow. at this, like the no man's land within the, uh, Berlin wall, like the project was. And so it was super loaded. And, and the whole idea that I had was like this, what I call laboratory for the exploration of contrasting forces or something. <laughs> so <laughs> laboratory like, for the exploration of contrasting yeah, forces. Yeah. Yeah. So it essentially, that should be your new company name. There you go. That's like that. <laughs> uh, Justin would hate that. Um, uh, yeah. So it essentially turned into this big glass geodesic dome and I like hollowed out the, 
the no man's land and like kind of like peeked into all these things. It was kind of this uh, Venn diagram of of forces. Um, and one of my professors was on the review who who was maybe one of my biggest professors, uh, mm-hmm. Who's uh, that? Uh, uh, Vladimir Kristic, a mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> great, great professor. And, uh, and I, after I presented, he was like, Adam, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, what, what is this? And, and, and he, he was, he was arguing to fail me and it really? took the other reviewers to like talk him out of failing me. And they said he's one of the most influential. He, he definitely is. And, and one of the uh-huh. uh, people I look up to the very most. And he knew because I could do a lot better. And, and it was me trying to think way too much without doing mm-hmm. things. And, and yeah, I remember like after that crit, like going to the bathroom and just like crying on yeah. the stall, you know, like the very last crit. And, um, but I, I think that was a good learning thing where you, you can't stay in your head so much and you have to and produce and you have to, yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. And, and I was in, and you know, there's, there's lots of moments where I get really high and really, my ego is really high and then like I get taken down, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, it's great. Healthy. Yeah. It's, it's healthy, <laughs> very healthy. But that idea of making, like, I think you have to get comfortable making bad stuff mm-hmm. um, cause you can't like get really good without like getting through some of the crappy stuff first yeah. and like staying in your head is pretty easy. So like your other, so before <laughs> that semester, where you just showed up with your interpretive dance and your mm-hmm. one sketch and model. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like, pro- I mean, what was a typical crit like for you? Were you doing lots of models? Were you producing, you know, many feet worth of boards? What no, it was definitely, like? it was definitely still just lots of models. And, and um, I would tend to do a lot of like very detailed, good models and enough drawings to get me by. And then during the summer, I would redo all my drawings for my portfolio. And like, so any students listening out there, always redo your work. <laughs> always redo your work. And then, I spent so much time on that. And then after I got into grad school, I've never like showed those projects again pretty much. <laughs> but so, yeah, I think that, but I think, I think then for me, um, like the choice to go back to grad school, like I had a five-year a credit degree. I didn't need to do that. Right. You did a post-professional degree. Yeah. So I did a post-professional. Um, and for me, you know, I took four years off in between and, and it was kind of definitely identifying kind of some gaps that I had mm-hmm. of, of like, of theory of more theory within architecture and, uh, more sort of like ideas of fabrication and then just trying to identify who I wanted to learn more from. Yeah. <clears throat> so who, who helped you like f- realize that there were holes and then like once you got to school, I'm really curious to know who was most yeah. influential. Well, I think just, I think moving to Rotterdam and, or to, to TU Delft. And I essentially, like I was working, our firm was called Raw at the time. I was essentially doing Raw work here, like doing Wichita projects remote back in 2011. Um, and but I would just work in her school and I was just hanging out with all of her classmates and I was going to the lectures. I was essentially a student, but I, you know, wasn't paying and I was like doing my own work (laughs) on the side. And, and so I came in contact with a lot of really smart people there and could see, I mean, I saw a bunch of classes because I sat in a bunch of classes (laughs) and, and then going to Klaus and Khan, uh, the firm in Rotterdam, um, that was really like my intern phase of like, a lot of, a lot, a lot of work and very little pay and mm-hmm. learning from really smart people. Yeah. And so I think all of that helped me kind of identify what, what I, what I needed. And so at the time I was really, um, again, sort of still in the, the sort well, maybe still am, but in the kind of OMA Rex kind of, uh, uh, sphere. 
And so uh, I really liked uh, the work of Work AC, mm-hmm. and and I heard that he was teaching at Yale, and so that was one of the one of the reasons I went there, and was lucky enough. He only taught one semester, and I was lucky enough to get him as a mm-hmm. professor. And so that sort of idea of like early sketch diagrams came a lot from him, and I learned a lot of of sort of like. Um, sort of meaning, but meaning from like a diagrammatic sense of, uh, and, and a more of like kind of cultural meaning within these kind of like colorful cartoon kind of diagrams that mm-hmm. I've, that I've kept and, uh, did like went, went to Gabon, Africa with him and, Jeez. and, um, we were all working on this one street and kind of different civic buildings for that. And so I designed this vertical wastewater treatment plant combined with a community center Hmm. and like kind of it all recycled all the kind of resources from that (laughs) and combined it together uh and even like did this like he pushed me to do this like what was it i don't know three or four feet tall uh model that was Mm -hmm. cast out of uh clear soap and then I put like, like glycerin. Yeah, glycerin. Uh-huh. And then I I put like a uh, rose water scent in it, so it was like <laughs> sh- the shit smelled like roses. <laughs> and uh, uh, but it's all these colorful kind of you know um, like practical elements of this uh, wastewater treatment plant in there. Uh-huh. And then I went from that to sort of the other extreme of diagram. That's why I kind of paused with diagram with with Peter Eisenman and where. I got into that and it was like, almost like I didn't know what architecture was anymore. And, and, uh, was really, um, I was like the worst person in the class. Like he, he told me that multiple times. Like he's, <laughs> Are you sure that's not something most people get told? <laughs> no, I mean, he probably does, but he, you know, personality wise, not a great guy, but, uh, like really started from the bottom in that class. And, um, but, but really, really grew a lot, especially with, with our, teaching fellow uh, Miroslava Brooks, who has uh, uh, Forma in New York, like mm-hmm. uh, she she helped a lot and and rethinking sort of what architecture can be and designing something essentially without thinking about program or site, mm-hmm. but really just embedded in architecture mm-hmm. uh, and created like, I think one of my my favorite projects of, of another sort of mashup of, of, a, of a church combined with uh, housing. Mm-hmm and uh kind of what that means and so if it wasn't um you know program or these other things that were leading what was that project about it was about it was about typology mm-hmm. and it was about history and so it it was all for us for me and my partner we were it was a study on a, a mat building typology and and that was sort of intersected by these layers like historic layers that sort of rose up and kind of intersected that and and the whole thing it was a map building but then it had a sort of like system of of cubic viruses that were coming from the top that were opening up voids for the housing mm-hmm. and then it had a series of sort of like super formalized follies that were cutting into that map building as well that were forming the the church space and each of the follies was derived from uh, a, a section of a building from Corbu, but <laughs> super altered. And so it was, it, and 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 the the system of the map building itself was sort of coming from 
uh, Corbu's unrealized uh, hospital in Venice. And mm-hmm. so it was just like layers and layers of that, um, that that created something really unexpected. Um, so by the end of the semester, uh, how was your work perceived or was it still? So, so yeah, so actually, so it was me and I was partnered uh, with uh, Raphael De La Fontaine, who has his own firm now in, in Israel. But uh, so we were two post pros and normally post pros don't do well and like, because we're kind of behind in in the Eisenman world, but we ended up winning the prize for the best project. So ah, we went from the so bottom, bottom to the top. The yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay, that's a good success story. Yeah, and then I think just to cap cap that long story off of of grad school, the the sort of ending book into that was then Tatiana Bilbao, and mm-hmm. I didn't really know her before that, and I for some reason really gravitated towards her, and and. She's become such a great mentor and, and model, um, but she sort of like re-injected kind of humanity yeah. <laughs> into that sort of Eisenman-ness. And so... Did they feel like polar opposites? Uh, not as much as maybe as you think in some ways. Um, maybe some, yeah. Well, that's that's a good question. I think I think she, she has a real formal sensibility that that sort of relates to Eisman in some ways, but it's, she cloaks it with like hand-drawn mm-hmm. sort of sloppiness and like rough models and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so that, that studio was again, a partner project uh, where we were doing something in, uh, had to do something on the, on the border of uh, El Paso and Juarez. Mm-hmm. And we, there's all these maquilladoras, these factories that, that applies, supply work. And we were saying, okay, well, what's the other reason someone would come to this place? Outside of work. Outside of work. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we bring money and things here to make this area better? And so we made, we essentially split the Rio Grande and made this sort of like no man's land that had a whole cycle of of life to death. And, and so you, there was like this uh, birthing hospital uh, where you could be born on one side or the other. Uh, then there was like a uh, like huge plastic surgery hospital that like you could choose which medical procedures you wanted depending <laughs> on which area. And then and then there was like the this big entertainment area. And then uh, uh, then there was a retirement home with like a crematorium. And so you kind of and then it was all connected by a roller coaster. Naturally. Yeah. And so so it was sort of like you could go through this area and it was about like how do you take advantage of of sort of the 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 benefits of this location. Mm-hmm. Um and we and then we sort of wrapped it all up. We kind of wore like bad uh suits and things and we kind of played like we were bad developers <laughs> and and trying to sell this sell this idea uh but then we had like uh one of our like mexican classmates like we wrote this sort of big thing about talking about how bad kind of the situation was and so she like read that in the beginning but you couldn't see her and nobody was there and then we stood up and like we had this animation of like roller coasters and like these bad suits and then, and at the end, the, the jury was like, what are you, what is going on? What are you guys doing? And I think we could never quite figure out like if we were good or if we were bad, uh-huh. but it, and we definitely didn't win the project, uh, best project in that class, but well, you didn't have a water slide. That's why. Yeah. But, but Tatiana really pushed, kept pushing us for that. And it was more of like, again, what's the power of architecture? 
and what's the role and like what can it do and is it good or is it bad and and even with that like all the buildings were like super layered like referential like we took like learning the the figure ground from learning from Mm -hmm. las vegas and then we extruded it and we wrapped it into like this entertainment zone and like each each thing was really layered um would you say i mean so was it looking at the project as spectacle or was it actually meant to be sat like almost satire to to poke holes at like cultural conditions or yeah. what was going on i think that that was the biggest downfall of that project was that we didn't quite know like like as architects we fell too in love with it mm-hmm. to say that it's bad i say that tatiana put the humanity back in it but it was it was sort of devoid of that as mm-hmm. well you know and it was yeah, so that that was a difficult where it was it was kind of not one. I mean, it seems like a big. It seems like maybe it was a uh, like even a bigger idea than you guys were really like aware of yet, which is I yeah. think really interesting in like the school settings. Yeah. Um, I get really excited by students' ideas that I wouldn't have thought about, and sometimes I think that are even like smarter than they they know yeah. how they're onto something that's like really good. It'll take maybe years till it gets like flushed out and developed. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the fun thing with that students, right? Of like planting that little seed and like, I think it might go this way, like nice and weird, Mm -hmm. but you don't know where it goes. And I think that's what she did to us of Mm -hmm. like planting the seed and she didn't really know where it would go. And like, um, yeah, I mean, the other projects in the class were really beautiful and they were really nice. And it was about how do you help all these other little neighborhoods and it, they made good difference, you know, Mm -hmm. but ours was. I don't know what ours was. <laughs> it sounds. I want to see this project. I yeah. want to see this project. If you still have documents. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, but, but I think that's interesting. Like, what is the purpose of studio too? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, is it just to make a pretty building? Um, I mean, it. It seems a lot more powerful when it's, like, questioning how we think, right, and putting, yeah. learning to think differently. And I think that was something that was important for me in school, but also in like teaching and still questioning like how to think about situations and problems and. I don't know, like how much can architecture do versus how much, like what can't architecture do too? Yeah. Um, so. And I think that that's, I don't know about you, but that's, that's one of my, I actually remember this. Uh, I was, I don't think we knew each other very well. And I was in maybe your crit or somebody else's crit. And at the end I was like, and guys enjoy this time. Like this is going to be the best time of your career. And you looked at me and you're like, no guys no it's not like no it's i'm like to me it was like like i've never done i've never done another healthcare uh uh community connected by a roller coaster like for me it was it was difficult going into out of school of of and like leaving behind those possibilities and now working on bathroom details and like mm-hmm. and i'm still struggling with that you know of of like how do you how do you sort of reconcile that and, and again it's sort of like the big discussion of like, what's, what's school for. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, should I have been taught that or should I have been just taught how to do <laughs> I do remember that review. Videos? You're right. Yeah. We didn't know each other very well, but I did say like, don't listen to him. <laughs> you gave me such a look and I was like, oh, <laughs> well, I, I agree. She, her like, job's better than mine. I guess. But... <laughs> I think um, you're right. Like there's no like safer area or like space um, than studio to like really test out wacky ideas. But like, then there's this weird thing that happens when all of a sudden you're like, I'm in the professional world and I'm going to a job to make buildings. And then can I not be as creative or as fun and like try to understand what are those limitations is really a weird spot to be. I think I, like, I hope like students don't think they have to stop after Mm, school. mm -hmm. Um, That like, it's up to you to kind of push the boundaries and 
and like not fall into groupthink and the least common denominator, but like how do we get comfortable with being uncomfortable? Right. Um, and and sort of those probably comes down to more of those side projects, right? Like what what's the shoe you're designing or what's the podcast you're making or whatever, you know, like that's kind of where I get my outlet in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, you know, or trying to do more theoretical projects with Vessel. Um, but yeah. So what, can you tell us about some of your Vessel projects? Like which ones um, are you kind of infusing the most creativity or mm -hmm. make you feel like you're the closest back to being in studio? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, when you're starting a project, when you're starting a firm, it's hard to get the sort of work that you want and, and, um, and you, you kind of get the, the, the projects that you have. I think our very first project, someone came to us and was like, Hey, I, I'm going to buy this floor plan, house floor plan online. Can you move where the pantry is? <laughs> and we were like, no, no, we can't. And, 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 and I think I was still working at, uh, open studio this time. Sorry, Blake. Uh, but uh, I think we we had said like, okay, we can do that. And they're like, our budget's super small. And we're like, okay, well, we can design you a new house at, for the same amount that you pay for this floor plan, which is like six thousand dollars or something, <laughs> so small. And and so that that project was, is our first like built project, and it's you know it's a sort of like uh, you know trendy like farmhouse modern farmhouse that's super trendy right now and you know so it had that sort of thing baked in and they are like we want this to be very symmetrical and so but uh to me that was really interesting of like uh yeah how do we do this like very symmetrical form um but then again like break it in these few ways and so that that you don't necessarily see it um but I did like an Eisenman style diagram that shows it. But, but did you uh, show it to the clients? <laughs> no, not that. Uh, uh, but you know, that, 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 that gives me pleasure. Um, I think that um, we're doing this uh, uh, addition to a house in Littleton right now. And, and that, I, again, I say I can, can stay in sort of like foam model world mm -hmm. forever. That, that was sort of the closest where we did a lot of concepts for that. And, mm -hmm. um, had some some ones that were were really sort of uh, interesting. I thought in in sort of thinking about that that mid century modern split level typology in a different way, and what does it mean to add on to it, mm -hmm. and and how do you kind of break it or work with it? Mm -hmm. um, and then we we've been working on this theoretical project for a long long time of the Black Forest House, um, and finally just finished that up. Mm -hmm. And I think that. For me, that's the closest. Where it's a it, it's a real um, take on a on a ranch style home, um, but thinking about that sort of open style living in a different way, and and really emphasizing the enclosed, like making the spaces that are enclosed hyper enclosed mm -hmm. and open hyper open, and then thinking about sort of how does the site flow through that, and and how do you bring nature in, um, and so you have these kind of systems, and then these kind of Kind of like the Eisman project, these voiding courtyards that mm -hmm. come through and, and disrupt that system. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think the first thing that I, I had the hardest time <clears throat> um, jumping into practice and, and thinking about like, okay, it has to, like, things felt so regular. Mm -hmm. um, well, so regular and that like you couldn't make ginormous disruptions. Mm -hmm. and, like, like what you're describing is interesting because those subtle disruptions um, yeah. to like a pretty common typology are actually like pretty impactful um and yeah. 
I think I'm continuing to learn that like I don't have to uh, reinvent everything. Mm. But if we can infuse some of the weirdness or the specialness or the disruptions, those like cracks you talked about, just in the right places, yeah, um, then they can get built and out in the world. So that project you said is just completed, as in like uh, designed and construction documents or uh no it's uh it's looking for a client right now oh i like this approach yeah. so it's so does anybody need uh so any... tell us about the house let's yeah. uh sell it yeah so it's it, it's uh should i get my like developer uh mm -hmm. bad blazer on yeah. yes please so cited in the forest of black forest it it's on this undulating site and uh it's it's this floating very regular uh clt mass timber roof uh and then beneath it are these uh 3d printed concrete pods mm -hmm. and then it's all all glass around but it, it really embeds itself into the site so you 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 walk in and and to one side is like the bedrooms they get they get more burned up into the earth and the other side it's a sort of uh cascading floor then then opens up into a larger uh living space um so if you would like this to be your home, like call Adam at previously yeah. known at Vessel Architects. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, but I really like what you said there. And, and I think, you know, one of the more influential things to me within the last few years is like one of your professors of uh, Clark Thinhouse's new book that, or his book that came out and where he's really, he, he you know, hyper documenting different housing typologies, but then thinking about how, how you can, yeah, mm -hmm. break it a little bit. And, um, and and so yeah he that made me think about that a lot right absolutely and also like you don't have to also that you don't have to practice like everybody else i mean the idea that you said like we want to design this thing and then find a you know somebody who wants it um mm -hmm. yeah i think a lot of times we go through school and say like okay well now i have to go to an architecture firm um and that there's lots of ways to practice architecture um and lots of ways to create things so yeah yeah and and that's you know i think it's so easy as a young firm to you know take everything get everything you get. And then, uh, and then my biggest fear is that we get sort of stuck in that, that, that the market or that the clients dictate then who you mm -hmm. are and, and to, to try to say, okay, yeah, this is the work we're doing right now, but like the, this is our aspirations mm -hmm. and, and this is how we're, we're, we're pushing it, you know? Um, and so that's, that's our goal. So yes. Fight complacency. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I do want to ask you like, what is good architecture? Yeah. What does that mean mm -hmm. to you? Mm -hmm. And I guess also I want to ask you because what do you think it means to Denver? Mm -hmm. That's that's really good. I think I think for me, uh, again with my sort of like architectural lineage, which is maybe right or wrong, I think that um, to me, I think of when I think of good architecture, I think of it in a in a formal and conceptual sense first. And I think for me, it comes down to intentionality and it's about being in control of what you're doing and understanding that. And a lot of that comes from teaching, right? Like I, I can, I'm fine with any type of project, right? But it's about, can the student tell me the idea behind it? Mm -hmm. And do they, do they understand the idea? And then they, do they understand the implications of, of that idea all the way down to a detail, right? And so it's, to me, like good architecture is something that has a has a conceptual idea that that ties itself to a formal idea, and then like great architecture is when that gets uh, multiplied to every level. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think obviously, like it's consistent throughout. Like it's pure. It, it's 
it might be pure, but like the concept might be to not be pure. Like it, it, it doesn't have, but it, but it's about, do you understand, like, do you understand that idea that you're putting forward so mm-hmm. well that it reflects itself into minor details mm-hmm. and that, that that's there. And like, have I seen a building that does that? I don't know, you know, but like, that's the, that's the goal. Um, and then, you know, like. To you, does it have to, does good architecture have to present something that's new or novel? Um, I think it not, I don't know, not necessarily. Maybe I think, I think it needs to, I think it can't be a pure copy. Right. Um, but it needs to, I think uh, to me, the best architectural is like super referential historical Mm -hmm. thing that only architects can understand. Like, like it, and that sounds very, uh, uh, exclusive. Right. But I, when I go to an art gallery, I want to look at a piece of art and I want there to be a lot of things or read a book, be a lot of things that I don't understand. And if I have the time and patience to like research it and find all these layers of Easter eggs and all these things. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't, I don't believe in a sort of like democratization of architecture in the sense of like making something that everybody understands. Like, I think that everybody should be drawn to it, but I think that- Does everyone have to be drawn to it? Uh, in a, in, in, in a way of like hating it or liking it, okay. maybe, mm-hmm. you know, um, but don't or, be I guess it right? they don't have to be drawn to it, but it, it, it should be something that's appealing, I think, you know? Um, but I think that, that to me, I want something that that then I have to dig into for 10 years and I finally figure out mm-hmm. like what's going on here. Like I remember the first time in like second year architecture when I feel like I finally figured out sort of a glimpse of what architecture was. It was uh, was like with Terignani um, in his uh, Casa de uh, Fascist in, in uh, Como, Italy. And it's this very layered detail facade and, and I would just stare at it and be like, I know there's something in there that I can't understand right now. And just like pouring through it and trying to understand. And, you know, maybe there's something there, maybe it wasn't, but like that idea that there's something deeper mm-hmm. to it. And referencing to, things that came before. Yeah. Referencing things. Or I think in that sense, it was more of a, of a sort of like, uh, yeah, a, a, of a mathematical, like structural thing that, that he was setting up that then like he died young and then like his work was like influential to, to Corbu and a lot of the other ones that came after him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that idea of like, what is good to you? Like, do you feel a responsibility to perpetuate what you think is good through the school or what drives you to, to be a part of teaching as much as you are? Yeah. I think a, it, it, it allows like in a selfish way, it allows me to continue thinking that way. Uh, and B, yeah, I think that there is a huge push from the profession and, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but a profession to make the school more practical and make a lot more practical architects. And I, and again, to me, I think that the idea of, of good within architecture is about that intentionality mm-hmm. and about understanding what you're doing. And again, it can go any direction, but, yeah. but holding students feet to the fire and understanding that, uh, is, is sort of what I'm passionate about. Right. It was actually, uh, I think a lecture by Eisenman that like finally shed some light Mm. on this dilemma of like, what am I going to school for? Mm. Um, like, am I just supposed to be able to build cape, like 
be capable of making mm. competent buildings or am I supposed to like be pushing new and novel things into the world? Yeah. Um, and he had a lecture where you talked about like his projects with a capital P versus a mm. lowercase P and you have to pick the times and places hmm. um, to push a certain agenda. And what is the thing that you want to explore, the thing that you're challenging, but in either case that there's this intentionality, right? That like, what is it you're setting out to do? If yeah. it's making a competent building, that's totally fine. If right. that's your avenue. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, what is the thing you're challenging? And I, like, what is the thing that you want to accomplish or not even accomplish? Maybe you set out to do something and you fail at it, right. but at least you have an intentionality of what you're pursuing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's easier to be safe and just be like, well, this is a pretty looking building, right? Yeah, yeah. Or And, and I think that's where the, the sort of K-State teaching got me where mm -hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, this is a pretty building. And someone come along and be like, no, it's not. And I'm like, oh, well, I think it is. And then you, it stops there, right? But if if you come along and say, okay, this building uh, is working in this way and this way, this way, with mm -hmm. conceptually, it's thinking about history and this history, this, 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 and I'm doing all those things, they can say it's ugly, but that's it's not what I'm, thing. it's doing the thing that I say it's doing. And then you can kind of judge is that, yeah. Is that thing good or, or not? You I like know? that. Doing yeah. the thing. Like, what is the thing it's doing? Yeah. Uh -huh. Can that be a firm name? Doing I was I was actually just trying to <laughs> yeah. put that into a, a name format. Yeah. <laughs> uh, architects, colon, doing the thing. Doing the thing. <laughs> uh, so yeah. are but, you teaching right? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. But I, I also want to say like, I, I, that is sort of rightly or wrongly, like where, where I'm most focused with in architecture, but obviously like it owes a lot to society and to the environment and to people. And like, it, it should be doing those concepts and those concepts ideally should be uh, tied to making it better environments and better spaces for people and, and bringing about more equity and, 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 and more sustainability and like all that should be tied in. And I think that's sort mm -hmm. of like the baseline for all architects that, that right. we should be striving for that. But then this is like, again, capital P or capital a, you know, beyond that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's funny because I feel like firms like 10 years ago would be like, oh, we specialize in sustainability or we mm. care about communities and that's our like slant. But now it's like, well, that's kind of the baseline, right? Yeah. We're expected to be good stewards of our communities and the environment. So like, what else do you want to do or in what way do you want to do that? Yeah, right. I think um, like it's hard because you want every project to do everything. Yeah. And that's tricky. Yeah. And I think, you know, like going back to that, that Eisman quote of yours, like he 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 said to us that you know, architecture with a capital A starts when you make the first line that is for yourself and not for the client. So it's that thing that transcends the sort of practical mm -hmm. limitations of a project where you have an idea that you're putting forward, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and it, and that's super hard, you know, to do and to, to, um, but that's, that's what I love about teaching is where mm -hmm. it, it's set up for that, to, to have them explore that. And, and when you get unexpected by 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 those results, um, it's the best. Mm -hmm. The surprises, yeah, nice yeah. <laughs> when it works out. The good surprises, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. But uh, but also the bad surprises. Like you have to do some shitty stuff yeah. to like yeah. get to the good stuff. Yeah, right? definitely. Yep. But that's a nice perspective. Like it starts with every like what what did you say the first line that you draw for yourself or not the, just for the yeah, client? That's that, not like, further. Yeah. What is the thing it's doing in the world, or mm -hmm. that's bigger than just the like program that you have to meet? Mm -hmm. I think that's a good litmus test. How do you guys like do that in, in your firm? Do you feel like you still, do you have to do balance the stuff that's for the client and the stuff that's like your bigger ideas that you want to push into the world? Yeah. I mean, ideally they're combined, right. And, and, and sort of that's the beginning of the project where it's, 
ideally for me, it's always about the idea, uh, mm-hmm. an, an idea that has some, some deep meaning to it. And, and it's hard, it's hard to, you know, you only have a certain amount of projects at one time and, and a lot of them don't allow for that and to kind of keep yourself doing that and not become rusty, you know, and, and that's why you teach or that's why you do theoretical projects. Um, and then hopefully you find the, the clients who, who want that meaningfulness. Are you teaching studio right now? No. So, okay. And your next studio, what would, what would be your like uh, design brief, like your dream design brief, mm. like the wackiest, I don't know, mm. maybe it, maybe it's not mm-hmm. wackier out there, but I'm picturing something that is uh involving roller coasters again <laughs> yeah that, that that that's a good question and i i think if i had more time i would make it wackier but like the 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 studio that i'm thinking about the most right now is um partnering with my good friend miles dake do you know mm-hmm. him yeah i do um so he's he's just one of my best friends but he he's great because he's an architect and an map engineer and so we have this idea for a a, a, a project where we really uh design um uh, some kind of community center or something in the mountains and like, and like really dial this in, like in, from a sustainable passive thing where mm-hmm. it's, you're designing something that's very quanti- quantifiable, um, and using his skills and then, then my skills of, of sort of, then how do you make sure that there is a concept and there's a meaning to that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, we've been like kicking that around. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the roller coaster studio. I have to think about that a little more. Maybe it's water slides if he's MEP and can be plumbing yeah. heavy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the teaching aspect of that, like you've sat in on a few of them, or my my graphics class that I mm-hmm. teach of, like, uh, what's upon an architecture, or what I what did I call it, uh, precedent potpourri, mm-hmm. uh, where you're it's it's kind of freeing you from design and it's talking more about representation and it's a meshing of. Uh, precedent graphic styles and pre- precedent architecture, and uh, I've I've been having the most uh, good time with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a because it takes less time, but but to to allow students to kind of stop thinking about design, but focus on like what does it mean to mash up these other things mm-hmm. graphically. Um, yeah, I actually literally was talking about that class to my students yesterday. Hmm. I'm like, is this class being offered? Take it. Adam teaches it. If he's if it's offered, take it. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah. you do a really good job of like um, encouraging them to to look at these references, ask what they're doing, and then what does it mean to like put them together. Mm. Yeah, um, so that's a lot of fun. Um, so the studio, ME, uh, it's not MEP based. I made that up, right? I infused that. No, it would be. It oh, okay. It, it would be where, I mean, it's more about uh, where he's able to to analyze models quickly mm-hmm. and understand their energy performance of it, mm-hmm. and so you know. I feel like I still haven't even done that of like design a project and like right away, do I know, is this more efficient or less efficient? Mm-hmm. And so really just using it as a way to figure out how to work with miles better. But mm-hmm. uh, ha- yeah. That's fun. Let me sit in on that review when yeah. you run that. I mean, I've worked on passive house buildings for mm-hmm. Handel and um, like gotten into the weeds of, okay, like how are we supposed to detail this window to be passive and how do we like negotiate between like waterproofing and like thermal barriers. And I still feel like I don't like, we still hire on like expert consultants. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's like a interest. it's another example of, like you said, like the further we get along, it's just the more that there is to possibly know. Like right. now I understand why architects don't retire until they're like 90. <sighs> right. <laughs> right. But it, yeah, but it's the thing of like Becca likes to talk about the architect as a, uh, 
orchestra conductor, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to know every how to play every instrument, but you're you're tying it all together. And I think that's the, like the best bosses I've had who have had these bigger ideas about architecture and are able to to bring out the best mm-hmm. of people to to implement that and move forward together. Right. To in be a, a vessel generalist together. And then oh. Oh, RIP. <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys could just call yourselves large container. Large container. <laughs> good good container. Medium yeah. size container of, yeah. of holding things. So do you see yourself as a generalist? Do you aspire to like be expert at any angle like part of it? Or to to just be the best generalist there is? Uh I I think yeah, I, I definitely want to be strive to be a generalist and i don't know if i need to be the best uh but i th- i think you know i i think just being able to steer that steer that vessel towards that idea of intentionality mm-hmm. and making sure that that's there and then letting it letting it go with whoever with in whatever direction the rest of the crew takes it you know mm-hmm. but yeah. So you have aspirations for, I mean, you mentioned for this company, like it's not your guys' names. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that can like grow beyond just you guys. Mm-hmm. So like what is, what, where do you see it going to, or what is the kind of dream for the projects you're getting or where it heads? You mentioned design development. Mm-hmm. What's kind of the future? Yeah, that's, that's the ultimate goal of, of, of design developing our own projects and where, you know, it's, it's less projects, but you're taking it all the way through and and you have more design control and um and then you know i ideally you're you're making like in this case let's say we're doing multifamily you know you're you're allowing better design quality for living environments and then you're you're holding on to that and 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 um yeah create creating better um places for people to to live and 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 um you know that's the goal and then and then to sort of loop that into more of our sort of um pro bono and research mm. and development type arm where mm-hmm. you're they taking the, the that's a sort of engine yeah that then mm-hmm. feeds that and then they feed back and forth um <clears throat> yeah um would they be separate companies or like that's i always find this interesting and i think it was one of your podcasts i forget who you're talking with that was talking oh i think it was trace birds and talking mm. about design build mm-hmm. and that there's the plight of a lot of other design build firms where like okay, if you merge design and something else, is it the architecture plus construction? Is it the architecture plus development? Mm-hmm. Um, does one kind of take over the other and eat the other one a little bit more? Um, does money become the driver, or mm-hmm. does constructability become the driver? Um, and I I think you were articulating that Trace Birds does such a great job, and they do of um, like building things that they care about and making sure that like the design is always. Um, not being diluted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, how do you see them as like separate companies that support one another? Or is this something that's like totally integral and like you're doing all those things all at once? Yeah. So uh, last week I would have told you that that it, w- it will be Vessel Office of Architecture and then Vessel Office of Development mm-hmm. and Vessel Office. Like it kind of set itself up for that where they are sort of distinct, but it's o- within an umbrella, like within this overall sort of vessel of direction. Um. And sort of whatever that means, you know, from a, a legal stance or, or whatever. But I, it, they're definitely supposed to be together. And 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 you know, we're not we're not naive to think that this is like an easy, an easy thing. And 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 we can all kind of see the trends of like design develop firms, especially out of New York, who are doing good work. That that 
the development becomes such a big engine that it dwarfs the architecture, you know, and, um, and I know that that could be a possibility, um, but that's not what our vision is for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it like yeah. one has to uh, like suffer. I think there are mm -hmm. great examples. I think I'd once asked somebody about like, can you be a great artist and actually make money? And mm -hmm. somebody pointed out like, well, Pablo Picasso was probably the best business person ever. Mm. Uh, he didn't seem to have any problems <laughs> with that. Uh, so it's an interesting idea to like mix these things. I feel like architects always get to that point where they want more control, right? To be the developer, to control the direction or can control like quality of construction and so forth. And so it seems like a good opportunity. Yeah. Um, what about like Denver in particular? Do mm. you guys see, like how do you um, compare the work you're doing in Denver versus the work um, in Connecticut mm -hmm. and other places? Because that's something we haven't talked about. It's mm -hmm. like you're in multiple places. Uh, I'm curious how it, if the projects are different or how you guys work is different. Yeah, that is interesting. You know, I, I feel like we're, we're still, you know, just a year in and, uh, haven't quite figured that out. I think, you know, ideally every project is, is, is grounded in its site. Right. And so intrinsically everything would change based on its site. Um, obviously like the, the, the sort of markets in, in Denver or kind of, Connecticut or New York are very different and, um, sort of understanding what works or, or what the precedents are, what has come before, you know, is different. Um, but I, I don't think I, I know that yet of mm. what that is. Yeah. It's a good mm -hmm. question though. And how is the like business side of things? I mean, now that you've started your own company, but I've, you've told me for the third time, not the first time <laughs> yeah. is like the business side of things, just a necessary evil, or is that something you also get joy out of? doing and concocting yeah i think i think uh certain aspects of the business i really like and 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 enjoy uh i have a hard time with sort of like setting up llcs and bank accounts and stuff like that uh that gets really tedious but the sort of like um some of the setting up contracts and like uh and like charting out um um fee projections and, and, and counting hours and things like that. I, I can get really excited about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. excited about, it's like designing uh, a new wallet. Uh, not as the wallet, but maybe more excited than drawing a, a detail. Yeah. Uh, okay. a section detail. Sure. Yeah. Sure. The wall section. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it's always interesting. Like I get excited about like really weird things. Like I'll mm. dive down a whole bunny trail of like legality mm, mm -hmm, <laughs> and spend yeah. hours on it. Um, but then there are plenty of things I'd be okay with like outsourcing and <laughs> not yeah. having to take care of. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'm trying to think of like going through, I don't know if we have to like cut off at a certain time. So I'm no, trying to I think, think of like the best wrap up questions yeah. for you. Are there any things that you wanted to touch on? I've thought about this idea that I asked a lot of people of like, what's your high highest point mm -hmm. moment and lowest moment. Um, and I, this, this definitely probably isn't my highest, but I sort of think of them in the same way. I, I had this experience again. I, you know, I, I worked for, tried for a year to get a, an internship in the Netherlands and I finally got in and it was with, uh, this architect. Um, and he had left OMA and it was, it kind of came and created this international branch within, uh, con architects. And, and so it was like five of us and he kind of ran it like OMA and hmm. it was super intense. And, uh, I was making like, $500 a month. And I was spending, I think like $75 on the train. 
my gosh. And then I was, we would, I would get into the office around like nine or 10 and then we would, they would buy dinner for us and then we would stay and I would try to make the 2 a.m. train home and then we would work on Saturdays and half days on Sundays <laughs> and, and not, I mean, I would stay there for four months and it wasn't every week like that, but most every week like that. I think I, I was calculating like my hourly rate at like 23 cents or something. <laughs> and, uh, oh and I, I do, I, I, I still keep in contact with this architect and he, he's very supportive, but he was very intense and it was a, I was scared at work like mm. every day and, and it, it made me very nervous and very anxious all the time. Um, but I, I learned a lot. Um, but there's one, one thing where he was going to China the next day and I was supposed to make this like model case for him for, for this model. And I was like, okay, how do you want it? And he's like, I don't know. Just like, it's over. Like there's model cases over there. Just make it like that. I'm like, okay. And I go and there's just these very flimsy model cases. I'm like, okay. I'll make it like this. And, and I'm just kind of scared to talk to him and I finish it late at night and I'm like, here it is. And he's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, good. Okay. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going home or whatever. And so, and I think everything's ready and he's flying out the next morning and I get in a little bit late and, uh, it was like all the rest of the studio was gone. I was like, what's going on? And he was there and I barely even wanted to talk to him. And he's like, get upstairs. Like everybody's fixing your mess. And I was like, oh my oh, gosh. Shit. And so I go up there and everybody's like rebuilding my model case. And it was like, he has to leave for the airport, like super fast. And so I'm like getting in there and like doing it really fast. <laughs> and, and it's all foam core. It was like tape edges. And so instead of like waiting for the glue to dry, we had a bunch of leftover exacto knives. And so like oh I'm gosh, sticking it together. I'm, pin, I'm pinning it together and then taping it. And then he comes in and he's like, Are you almost done? And we're like, Yeah. And he's like, Wait, what are you doing? And we're like, We're pinning it together. And he's like, I have to go through an x ray. And I, there's like a hundred exacto <laughs> knives in here, blades. razor blades in here. Like, Holding what are you doing? And together. and so then we like frantically had to cut this thing apart and like pull, try to find all these razor blades and take them out and then like, and then slap it back together. And we like barely get it for him. And he goes off to the airport. And it, it, it was like, you know, super low moment. But then it was, it was all of us, it was like, I don't know, 11 a.m. And we just like walked out into the sun like a, Ocean's Eleven movie or something, and like <laughs> we went to a cafe, and we were all just so exhausted and just sitting there, and and it was kind of this like beautiful moment of like we did it, we got there, you know, and like we went through this war, and um, you know, I feel like that's that's a lot of what architecture is, and and it's and 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 maybe in going all the way back to the beginning of like I'm trying not to just be an architect, you know, like it's so easy to strive so hard throughout school and academia and work and everything to be this amazing architect and to get your satisfaction from that. Um, uh, but there is so much more to life than that. But, mm -hmm. but, uh, but there's just these beautiful moments of like going through that, that battle and searching and, and trying hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good, metaphor for life I think yeah um but that like suffering and then like coming out and having a project or having something succeed and then mm -hmm. like you did it do you yeah. think that kind of um like is that a rite of passage too for kind of interns and young folks or is that like a culture that's 
toxic that we should be pushing against because I think I have so many of those war stories mm -hmm. too of like really rough nights or like a lot of like uh, pressure. Um, but I also did learn so much yeah. and like I developed a great work ethic uh, and a lot came out of those. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I struggle with that. And actually that's one thing I thought I'd get a lot more of from this podcast are those war stories and those bad stories um, because we all kind of have them. I think that the best sort of bosses that I've had um, or even the best moments with that boss that I had where it was when you, you get pushed really hard, uh, but then you feel really appreciated and, and, and you can get pushed really hard, but it doesn't have to be a toxic environment and it doesn't have to, you don't have to have a knot in your stomach all day. Cause you're too scared to talk to someone, you know, like that's, that's one of the, big things of a vessel is that we want to make, a, you know, everyone should say this, right. But a, a positive work environment. And, um, and, and, and I've seen a lot of, of good mentors and frankly, like I think Tatiana was really good at that where she expected a lot, but you, I was never scared to talk to her and I was, you know, um, so yeah. What was the studio culture like with Tatiana? Yeah, it was, um, it was like 30 architects there and, and it was her and her sister who's the kind of business manager and then maybe one guy and then everybody else was younger than 33. Hmm. And so it was very young, uh, but there's project managers who had been there for a little while and it was very international for people from everywhere. And uh, again, a lot of model building, a lot of hand drawing, a lot of like collage work. Um, I think I had worked for Cesar Pelli the summer before that mm -hmm. and then going to hers, it was a, a big difference uh -huh. yeah. of, what of sort of like culture? the, that was also pretty good. It's, it's a, it was like a hundred people, but it was, um, really broken up by principle. So you had, it really varied principle to principle. And I mm -hmm. was working on like the, the towers and working with some really good people who were really good at Revit, which kind of was a good, a, a boot camp for me and, and pushing my Revit skills and, and getting outside the box with Revit, which I, I believe in a lot, but they were just thinking very technically. And I, mm -hmm. I would go to Tatiana and they were, you know, the project manager who had three projects. I would see her at eight o'clock at night, like going into AutoCAD with this elevation of a building that had all these barrel vaults and these undulating walls and she was going in and drawing the shadows on the elevation. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, A, that's what a 3D model is for. And B, you have so many projects that need technical help. Like <laughs> you're making these beautiful drawings, but what's, well, was, you know, so. Did she get joy out of it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and, but it was just, a, it, it was, a, it was a different rigor, right. Yeah. And a different, uh, what they appreciated. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that also helped me, kind of stop from being too pulled into a, a corporate kind of environment right away. And another sort of reminder before I went off into real kind of practice of like, Hey, you can do it this way too. And, mm -hmm. and, um, uh, yeah. That there's a lot of things you can spend your time on and you like, that's the nice part, right? You're right. now fully your own boss and you can decide what to spend your time on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> writing contracts yeah <laughs> yeah well okay so you told us um that kind of lowish point so mm -hmm. what's a what's a high point you know it's 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 easy for me to like you know you can say a building that got built you know i, I haven't had a, a ton of buildings that i'm really proud of get built i think that the link house restaurant early on when that was finally built 
um, and kind of having our opening night. That was, you know, fantastic. Um, I think, but I think, I think my high points really come down to, to school and like to, uh, reviews and especially at Yale where, uh, there's these amazing pits and it's everybody kind of pushed around and you have these, you know, these architects that you've read about and studied about and they're there and like talking about your project. And, and to me, it like, from an ideas point, it's like hard to get too mm -hmm. much better than that. Yeah. Um, Being um, constantly inspired. Yeah. But I, you know, but I think, I think as my career continues and like to, to be able to have more built projects that I really care about and seeing the sort of effect on, on people, that will be good. Um, and then also just, um, I think like the, the happy hour events that we have for this, uh, and, and, and seeing these connections that this podcast is making is, is also another high point and, and just being able to, again, to connect with these architects that I really look up to and, and to learn from them and to, again, like understand it's not easy and it's not easy for anybody, you know, like it's hard for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So you're kind of replicating the studio culture and the studio huh. pits at Yale yeah. during your happy hours. I, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I try to get to. Uh -huh. Do you feel like you get to see that same culture when you teach and you have reviews? Um, does it feel as exciting or does it feel like you're removed? Because you uh, still have to go back and write contracts and figure out that fireproofing detail. I think it's exciting, but it uh, CU just doesn't have the space that I feel is like conducive to that. Like that everyone's walking by and you can just stop and see it, you know, mm -hmm. and it creates this, uh, it's this spectacle, you know, mm -hmm. and it's this spectacle of architecture, uh, that, that, that is a carnival, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's sort of what I miss. Um, uh, yeah. I found myself trying to, um, remind myself to go and see the other mm -hmm. floors because, mm -hmm. You know, CU Denver, it's an office building that's yeah. been converted into a, an architecture school. And so I'll try and remember to like go down floor by floor to see what people are doing and poke my head and be that annoying person. And then, you know, people are like, oh, why, why are you here in this yeah. space? Because it's so kind of compartmentalized. So we need a roller coaster that takes you, there you go. Uh, the scenic route around the spectacles there you of go. Uh, all the architecture studios. Re redesign of the school. That's the studio. Yeah, so you've yeah. done right. I know you just like renovated not that long ago, but we've got a great idea but for you. But you didn't add a, 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 a yeah. roller coaster. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you plan to kind of create that culture? Like, do you think that's a place that can you replicate that in like the workplace or is that just like the magic oh. that will only ever be in school? Yeah. And in, in, in a, uh, that sort of community kind of spectacle thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I, my sort of like long-term or medium-term goal is to, is to make like a, an architect co-working space in Denver and, and have it combined with like a podcast studio, podcast area and like coffee shop and bookstore and, and where it can be kind of a, a nucleus for, um, architecture within mm -hmm. the city and, and, and where that's, that spectacle can kind of continue and you're seeing architects come passing each other mm -hmm. and working and doing and, uh, where it's so easy to be within our silos, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one. So your next goal. endeavor is starting a co-working mm -hmm. office business too. Yeah. The place that I, um, that I have my like office space that my, um, desk is at 
uh, is like an architecture and engineering co-working space oh, yeah. technically. It's tough. Like with COVID, a lot of people left and there aren't as many people right there there now, but they're trying to do that same thing where they have uh, like Wednesday mornings discussions on something to push us to like, you know, move out of our kind of silos yeah. a little bit. What's it called? Um, they call it Pendula. Huh. It's at 9th and Santa Fe. Oh, okay. Huh. It's a coffee shop next door. Maybe so. maybe it already exists. I don't need to make it, you know? I think it's, it, it's another wallet situation. I, <laughs> I'm never going to... I think it needs to be... Like, there's a lot that can be infused in huh. it, though, right? And, like, opening up the doors yeah. more and cross-pollinating uh, cross even more. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I guess maybe the last question um, is, uh, where do you see yourself moving forward into or what are you most excited for maybe not in architecture um i know like wallet protection wallet production yeah. and pendants great um this idea that you know we are always trying to find balance and not work a million hours and working under deadlines and also have families and lives like mm -hmm. what uh what's what's most exciting and on the horizon for you yeah i mean uh obviously like within within life i've i've tried to be a lot more present with my kids like at all times and and i architecture was just all in encompassing for me and 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 so even when i was with them it was kind of like thinking about it and stressing about it and i've been a lot more pur purposeful lately of, of yeah really just making sure i'm engaged with them and so obviously as they grow continue to do that but i think i think for me it's uh it's sort of about how i do love to do all these things and mm -hmm. kind of splinter off and and figuring out how to be okay with that or uh, how to get that to work and how to uh, still still keep balance but but sort of set up different visions and and allow the community to come alongside and kind of pick those up and obviously not, not just my visions but like yeah how can I how can I be continuing this podcast how can I be continuing live events and happy hours how can i be creating a co-working space how can i be a, a good uh partner at an architecture firm how can i teach you know all those that sounds too much and too daunting um but how can i give enough of myself to those things um and and not try to have it all on myself you know um and and yeah allow for that that carnival do everything all at once really well. <laughs> I, just have to, I just have to study you because you, you do it all. And you do more than that very well. So. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, how old are your kids? Uh, six and almost three. Oh, that does sound like really fun ages. Are they around at all? They'll probably be running. Oh, I was soon. hoping they would come through and they could pop this last oh, confetti. Yeah. I feel like um, you should sign us out from your 50th episode by popping this confetti yeah. and adding to the mess. Eli, come over here. Eli, come here. We were hoping that there might be a dragon that would help us pop this confetti. It's a big task. Do you think you should? Uh, yeah. We should end the 50th episode the same way we started it, which is with a massive confetti. Yeah. So, okay. You turn it, you turn it this way. Okay. The, the black part. So say number 50. Yay. 50. <laughs> 50 episodes. Nice job, buddy. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for doing this, Katie, and really, yeah. really enjoyable talk. And thanks for volunteering to do this and mm -hmm. pushing me to do this. And and it was really fun. So thank you thanks. for letting us put you in the hot seat. I think yeah. everybody's been waiting to hear from you. 
Uh, so this was pretty tremendous. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Adam. Bye. You can visit architecting.com. That's architect-ing.com to see images from this week's guest. And please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week and keep connecting. Hi, I'm Eli. This show is made by my mom and dad and these people. Heidi Mendoza. Aaron Best. Kyle Bruner. Emily Child. Trevor Notzko. Zach Huff. Rob Cleary. All right, let's get a coffee. See ya. Oh. So yeah, you you did a great job here. You uh, how'd you how'd you feel? How'd you? This is fun. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a blast. Like, I mean, it is educational. Like, yeah. Learning about other people's processes. And uh, I feel like people are like comfortable opening up and being vulnerable, vulnerable about the things that are like hard. Yeah. Um, which is refreshing to hear instead of just all the kind of glossy stuff. Yeah. Um, how has it been for you? Like, what's, is it how you pictured it would be when you set out to create this thing? The thing that it's become, is that what you had in mind or, or has it changed or evolved? I think that, the format and everything, most of it is the same. I think that it's, uh, it's been a lot more popular than I thought it would be. Hmm. Like I, I was kind of fine if 10 people listened to it and it was more of an archive exercise. Um, but it's just been really nice. Like, yeah, like people like you and like just these kind of close community that, that really listens to it and really engages and um, that it actually is like building the community that mm-hmm. I wanted it to has been, uh, I'd say surprising mm-hmm. and uh, just really fun. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's been super well received. Um, it's exciting seeing the different people that like I've known their names, but I haven't gotten an intimate glimpse into like their, whether it's their process or like how they came to be an architect or what they're focusing on. So that's yeah. been a lot of fun and just some new names. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because Denver has a ton of architects here, right? Like there's more architects per capita in Denver than most major metropolitan mm. cities in the U.S. I don't know if it's like everybody burns out from like the coast and comes mm. here or something yeah. like that. Um, but like it's also such a like fast growing city that it's kind of this rat race mm-hmm. of a design culture it feels like almost and it's still trying to like figure out like its identity because Denver is still like a young city. Yeah. So it's interesting. I don't know. I think this is having uh, a positive influence, but also is like kind of shaping the way mm. people have conversations about it. You know, in grad school, I was like, who is, who is working in mm-hmm. Denver? You know, it's like looking and it's like, okay, on Arc Daily, there's Trace Birds and there's Meridian 105 and Dinia, but like, I don't know anybody mm-hmm. else, you know, but now it's like, I'm booked out with interviews until, January and like uh, not even you know I have so many more to go through right Mm -hmm. and um and I think that's the sort of biggest idea behind this podcast and like the other the other goal of this is to like franchise it out to other cities Mm. and because there's all these design communities within Austin and San Diego and Mm -hmm. Portland and like where there's good things going on and you get the top two people that kind of have a voice in a certain way but like how do we continue to build these communities mm. in different local local ways you know um and give a platform to more voices too, exactly yep which is nice yeah mm-hmm. but it's another thing to another do. project another, on your list another tentacle of the uh-huh. architecture I octopus like, i feel like there's probably lots Ooh, of is things. that a name 
Ooh, architecture. tentacle. Architecture. Ooh. Architecture. Ten no. Tentacle, tentacle architecture. That sounds a little like Sexual. gropey. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Mm. Uh, especially with like three guys white guys it's like you gotta okay yeah, maybe don't go that yeah. route yeah um <laughs> did, but, what were some of the other names that were in the running like i know katarina and i went through all sorts of <laughs> funny ideas what we landed on it's funny because you said like you want versatility in the name so that it can continue on and katarina and I are like well we kind of pigeonholed ourselves <laughs> being called k works yeah. studio we can only hire people with, whose names start with k yeah Oh, it was funny because it was like started off as like a almost a joke as a placeholder to let us do whatever we wanted, whether yeah. it's furniture or small buildings or consulting for other companies. Uh, and it just stayed. You had to be careful with those placeholders because they, they <laughs> tend to stay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. I just interviewed um, the guys over at KL and A mm -hmm. yesterday and mm -hmm. I didn't realize that, you know, their, their last names were K and L, but it was actually there's founders before them that it's actually named after so it's not after their name but it just happened that they were also the two a K guys and an and l so i was like you have to now you have to find the next two people that are k and l yep you'll just have to find all people that started with k i guess so um <laughs> yeah i i don't know we had some we had some bad names but we uh we we liked manifold we liked that a lot but the only other firm in the country who had that name is in Denver. <laughs> it was a lot of that of like, <laughs> come on. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, Ra was pretty clever. That's pretty great that your names could Yeah, be that our, our names worked. And, but then we moved to Denver and there's Raw Creative here already. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> there but there's, no something, there's something about, there's something, there was something about that name where like, if you didn't know it was our name, it's kind of like, well, I'd like my work to be a little more refined. Like it's le less about being kind of. <laughs> I don't like want it to be raw, uncooked. You know, like. <laughs> I, uh, but it's so cool sounding. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you could be raw. <laughs> you could be refined architecture now. Refined, yeah. Slightly cooked Anti -raw. al dente. Yeah, al dente. Al dente. Al dente. Architecture. <laughs> that sounds nice. Uh, I feel like you must probably. I mean, I'm the same way. Like. It's just fun. It's fun. It's like empowering to be like, okay, if I want to make a wallet, if I want to make shoes, if I want to make furniture, light fixtures. Like we started selling those candles. Yeah. Oh, man, I still think I have like, is, if anybody would like to buy a beautiful lavender oh, scented is this, candle. Is that why you came on just to sell more candles? <laughs> just to hawk my get wares. That, get, that, get that bump, <laughs> that, that architecting bump on yeah. your sales. Yep, exactly. I think we forgot, like we did that as like kind of prototyping and just testing how to like make something and sell something e-commerce style um but i forgot i katarina we still have a lot of candles to sell <laughs> she leads up that initiative so they're just sitting in a amazon warehouse <laughs> that's funny yeah, but, but that's cool i mean that's the other thing we're trying to do you know even before we get to the development model of like mm -hmm. just what's what's another model like what it just sucks like trying to chase these big clients and that's what you're doing you know and mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the current model, the current traditional or just most prominent model is pretty antiquated. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of ways to break it apart. I'm still figuring out or trying to do that myself as well. I mean, both Katarina and I work um, full-time for ourselves and work for the companies we used to work for. And we learn, we get to still be a part of like a really interesting process, but there, it's not a conventional model. So it takes some like troubleshooting. Yeah. Um, Tell us your deepest, darkest fears uh, um, when it comes to oh. sharks. 
in terms of running your own architecture practice no, or just being an architect in general i thought they were supposed to be easy questions nope this is bonus material. uh uh I, I think I'm just I'm afraid of like all the things I don't know, you know, and like of not being not being good enough or 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 I think it's more of like lately it's been like letting my partner down, you know, and that's a, a scary thing. And like I was getting too much value off of like if he thought I was good or not and kind of breaking that down. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you overcome that? Do you just accept your faults or? Yeah, I think it's it's like a little bit of saying, okay, like his opinion, which maybe he's thinking or maybe he's not, like doesn't define who I am. You know, like I'm defined by all these other things uh, and like getting better. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, I didn't even ask, how did you guys, you went to school together, right? Or how did you meet? And No, we didn't. We We were actually... We all met in New Haven, but we were in the same church together. Oh, really? Yeah, and and so me and my partner Justin weren't. We were friends, but we weren't super tight. And then me and Kyle, who hasn't joined, we were a little bit tighter. But he was also tight with Justin, and so he called us kind of like two years out of school and said, "Hey, I think the three of us should start a firm." And so I, I wouldn't have necessarily thought to start a firm with Justin. I um, mean, we'd never worked together. We'd never gone to school together. Um, but we talked about it for maybe three years, something like that. And kind of when the timing came about, it was right for Justin and I to go off. Mm -hmm. And since then, like our skill sets have are really complementary. And um, I think you know, we're creating something pretty, pretty good, but it's taken a lot of effort yeah. and yeah. Did you are did you want to always start your own practice when you were a student and starting architecture school? Were you like, I'm gonna, my name will be up in lights and I'm gonna, you know, have my own company? Like, was that always an endeavor? Yeah, I think it was always the idea. Again, like kind of from seeing my dad doing it, and um, yeah, I, I've never liked to like work for people that much. <laughs> no, not so much. Okay. Yeah. Um, so wait, you said you had three, you've started your own company three times. So raw with Rebecca. Yep. And then what else? What's and the And then third? when I left 359 design, I started raw up again and I had that going for about a year. And then, uh, Blake Moyer at open studio called me up and said, Hey, come in for a beer. Mm -hmm. And, and then he was like, come work for us. And then I was like, no, I have my own firm. I just started it. And he's like, okay, just. I know you probably need money, like do some freelance. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll do a little bit of freelance. And then it was more and more and more freelance. And then, uh -huh. and essentially, uh, I just don't, I, uh, I got, I was lonely by myself and I can't, I'm not great at everything. And so I need someone else to balance me. Uh, and, and so open studio was really nice. And so I, I shut that down and went to open studio and so that was kind of a, a year thing, but I almost got sort of in trouble at Yale uh, because we had four advanced studios and three of them I did as partner projects mm -hmm. and, and they kind of found out about that at the end and, and, and they started like, oh, I don't know if that's like allowed, uh, but it's, it's just because I really like collaborating yeah. with people and, and uh, yeah. 
I I had worked alone, like, you know, running my own small practice, just like could never not do it. Mm. And I did alone for a long time. So I just thought that's how I like rolled. I liked, I was very social with people in general, but like professionally wanted to work uh, like alone. And I realized that was the dumbest thing ever (laughs) that like beautiful things from collaborating and from that like creative friction too. And it's just a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's like, it's more streamlined and it's easy in a lot of ways, you know, but again, yeah, that you don't have that creative friction as much or just to be able to share, yeah. share in that. Um, Ask somebody's opinion, get a, yeah. like a second read on something. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting to me because I've noticed at CU Denver, um, a lot, I, I always thought that like every student who went to architecture school, like the end goal, the ultimate goal mm. was always to have your own practice. Yeah. Like who would want to do anything other than that? Um, and then I realized that, you know, that's not always the case. Yeah. There are plenty of people who want to um, specialize and be a part of a, like a, a global enterprise and so forth. But I found that more at CU Denver, like less people, mm. people are a lot more timid about this idea of like, Oh, I don't know about like starting my own firm. And I find myself always being like, do it. Like yeah. we need more unique voices and wh- whichever path you want to take. But I yeah. felt like at Cornell, for example, it was just like, that was the endeavor for the vast majority of people to like get to a point to start your own thing, whatever it was. Yeah. I feel, yeah, that's true. I feel like it's at, it's at certain schools. I also wonder a little bit of like, uh, does it have to do with the sort of economic times that we're in? Like hmm. are people more nervous to start something now? That could very um, well be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. So how long did you work at open studio? So you got two years pulled into it. Um, so what are some of the things like, what are the greatest, I guess, lessons or things that came out of working there? Because mm-hmm. there's some great people and great work that comes out of that, that office. Yeah. I think, I think, um, Blake is, I, I, I say I, he's the best boss I've ever had. He's a really good balance of, of rigor, but he would have so much going on and he, it was like he would stop everything to talk to you, you know, and it was never like you were inconveniencing him and he was never freaking out. He was never, you know, it was, he had this kind of sense of calm, but professionalism, but, um, and, and community building and, and sort of, uh, vision, uh, making, I think. So, so there was that. And then, uh, they're, they just pride themselves on, on training well-rounded architects. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, it was kind of a saving grace for me at that point where, I had my own firm, but I, I had a lot of holes in my skill set, and I think uh, they really filled a lot of those holes for me. And, and it was a really good sort of education on how a real architecture firm should mm-hmm. run. Um, What's your what project are you most proud of that you worked on while you were there? Uh, there is this this project that says more about me, but there there is this project in uh, Switzerland. Uh, well, it was a it was a big corporate firm out of Switzerland, um, and they were doing a, a a project in Broomfield, and it was an old. They made it wanted it to look like an old brick factory. It was this massive, massive project, and but then they were going to do another phase. I don't know if I can even talk about this really, but they can't fire me now. But uh, <laughs> but they were going to do another phase next to that. They was supposed to be like super uh, futuristic. And so this was like this layers of these undulating uh, green uh, uh, roof uh, planes that then sort of like uh, cascaded down the hill and like looked out on this beautiful view and everything. And and uh, so I only took it through concept and then it, it kind of got put on hold. But, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of, I worked on a lot of projects with them and uh, 
a lot of projects, you know, projects that got built and like projects they went through. But I think I'm just so drawn to like having control over that conceptual beginning. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for me to come on after that was done and like not, not know what the concept is or wasn't mm -hmm. one or, or uh, not be in control of that, I think mm -hmm. is difficult. How do you feel about paper architecture, the stuff that we design that doesn't get built either knowingly or unknowingly, whether mm -hmm. it's because we're trying to push ourselves or just like the drawing is the architecture and that's the thing we're putting out into the world or the thing that, you know, I, I have plenty of projects. I was looking recently, I was like, wow, I worked on a lot of projects that like something went wrong and it didn't get built, mm -hmm. like big projects, not even just like small homes and things like that. Yeah. Would you be okay with, uh, you know, if, if your ideas came out only in unbuilt paper architecture? I would be more okay than most people. Yeah, I I think of architecture as the as an idea and I'm totally fine if that idea lives only on paper. Mm -hmm. I think that's maybe one of the biggest contrasts with with Justin, my partner, where he is so much about it needs to be built and it needs to be real and and to me it's mm -hmm. the the realness of it is just allows the imperfections of right? humans <laughs> that, to mess it up. That imperfection was not in my idea of this exactly. project at all. Exactly. Yeah. I flip-flopped a little bit too. I was yeah. obsessed with building things and mm. like getting things built. And I just love making things. And I know you love making things too. Yeah. Um, but I realized like, okay, the, the parts of the project you do have to figure out the bathroom details and so forth aren't as glamorous, but there's also just like, does it live up to the idea? Mm -hmm. And then there's this idea that like that building has a, a shelf life. Mm. Um, and if it's about the idea you want to like put out into the world, like writing about it or drawing about it has a, like more permanence. Mm. And I think that's what drew me to teaching is yeah. like, that actually is a, a way to have, maybe it's not impact that we're, that I'm trying to have, but like this thing will live on longer. And so like Katerina and I, I tend to be the one who says like, let's not put that drawing out. It's not like we've been ruminating on in this drawing or this project yeah. or this theoretical idea for like two years. And she's like, can't we just share it? And like, no, not yet. Uh, that yeah. like it, once it's out there, then it's like permanently yeah. out there. Buildings are temporary. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. And I, that's interesting that, that, that buildings could live on longer in paper form than, than, in, and then real. I hadn't quite thought of that, but, and, and that's another thing that I think Justin is really good at is where, uh, I can have that idea and I put it out there and like, maybe it's a pretty loose collage or something like that. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'll do it better next time or whatever. And 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 he's like, no, like this needs to be great. And like, we need to pour over this and think about it. And and it took me a little bit to like agree with that, but now I'm I'm really happy, you know. Like, and you look at people like like Forma, like Miroslava, what she's doing, and it's like everything they put out is excellent, you know. And and you think about it as you're cur curating your work, you know, and not just like, I mean, obviously there's something to kind of putting out process and putting out things that aren't perfect, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, really thinking about, especially with, yeah, the internet age we're in now, of, like mm -hmm. it can live on forever. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Not mm -hmm. daunting at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, and also there's so much out there, like who, who cares about my right? stuff, you know? Like, 
yeah. things can live on forever. Mine probably won't, but uh, it's just buried. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day to day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts.